It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, Winnipeg? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, we kind of thought this would be uh, uh, just a fun Friday, do some marbles, hook up with Hacksaw and Murata Tesh. Uh, well, things changed this morning because, to quote Michael Remus, we have a trade to announce. Yes, the Jets acquire Sean Monaghan from the Montreal Canadiens. That will be the topic of the day, although it was a very, very busy day in the National Hockey League, morning in the National Hockey League. Some long-awaited news for hockey fans on Best on Best Hockey and the LA Kings whacking Todd McClellan. So we'll get to all of this coming up. And a very special guest joining us today as well, none other than the one, the only Dennis Bayak. So um, we'll get Dennis's thoughts on Sean Monaghan coming to Winnipeg as well as how he's doing in the Jets season overall. Marat will join us for an in-depth conversation on what the Jets are getting and the price it was paid. Hacksaw pump on. And the plan is right now, it sounds like Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to be speaking at 245. So we will do our best to have that live on the program. Hear what Chevy's got to say. Wrap that up and then get into a marble race at the end of the program. Listen, just before we dive into it all, a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge and Sport Manitoba with the support of Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, Modern Man Barbershop, Manitoba Battery, AEW coming to Winnipeg in April. Stay tuned in the next couple weeks. We'll have some more chances to win tickets for the big wrestling event and, of course, Canadian Club Whiskey, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Quick note on Canadian Club. If you missed this yesterday, we are doing an event with the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. It is a small group whiskey tasting event at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame on February 29th. We have an incredibly limited amount of tickets remaining for this. If you do want to join us Jump on it right now. There's a link in the description of this video. If you're with us on YouTube, there's a link right there. Or you can go to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on whiskey, and get your tickets right now. This is a very small group, 40 people, and uh, we'd love to see you there. Tickets are $50. We'll have some experts coming in, taking us through the Canadian whiskeys, and we'll be watching the Winnipeg Jets on a massive screen in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Going to be a great night. We'd love to see you join us. But don't wait to get those tickets because, as they say, there's hardly any of them. And uh, we love to fill it with the WST regulars. Uh, all right, let's get down to business. Huge, huge turnout right out of the gate today. If you're new here, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're live daily, Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central. Hit that subscribe button and join us on the reg here. And while you're at it, help us out and give us a thumbs up. Remo, you've been waiting for a while to drop your famous line, and today is that day. Yeah, I can't take credit. It's actually Gary Bettman's 
famous line, but I just like uh, trying to imitate him doing my best. We have a train to announce. Should I get like, should I get the, the goal horn here? I might have yes. to go get it. Yeah. I might have uh, to oh, go. If it's, if it's not there, I mean, I don't think you need to go run and. It's like beside me. For it. It's beside me. Hold on. I'll get it. There it is. And uh, where, where were you? Okay, this is my favorite question. Where were you when the Sean Monaghan trade broke? Because we're going to remember this for the rest of our lives, right? I remember where I was when the Paul Stasny deadline deal happened. So I think I was on my phone about to pour some Raisin Bran. Got to stay regular. And, was... uh, and, and then I <laughs> got a text, actually. Pierre Lebrun uh, was the first one. I, I uh, the Stasny deal, I was in the bullpen. Uh, back at twelve ninety, getting ready for the program when that came through, that was the uh, that was a big one. But uh, as you can see right on the on the screen, Sean Monahan's coming to Winnipeg, and the cost is significant. Um, the Jets are trading their first round pick this year to the Montreal Canadiens for Sean Monahan. There is a conditional pick as well involved. It is a third round selection in the twenty twenty seven draft, which will go to Montreal. If the Winnipeg Jets win the Stanley Cup, a price they would be more than willing to pay if they get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, that third round pick, like they have to list it. First of all, I got the goal horn here, so let's just do this. Yeah. Big trade. Big trade. Big this is the trade siren. Um I had to you know, they have to list this trade in all the like graphics, conditional. It sounds like it's a lot, but yeah, if they win the cup, sure, toss in a third round pick in 2027, which would be plenty of time to get picks back if you do complete that. And, you know, we've been talking about the trade board and center. There's just not a lot of them out there. It was Sean Monahan, Adam Henrique were the top names. And, you know, first round pick, I think kind of steep. It was more, you know, than we maybe thought, considering they were given a first round pick to take him uh, in the summer of 22. But, they were pretty desperate for a center. We've seen how they've played without Mark Shifley. Um, his face-off percentage, you know, they're high on, uh, very high, 55%. And they needed to act now. I don't know what this means, like Mark Shifley is going to be back game one after the break or not, but they knew they needed a center. Everyone knew. Um, and a lot of teams other also looking for center, like Colorado, uh, maybe one. And there weren't a ton of them out there. And this is the price, so it's going to be a later pick you think and his salary is low so maybe it opens the door for some more trades yeah well okay there's there's a whole bunch of angles to this first off hand up i'll take the l on this i did not think the habs were going to get a first round pick for sean monahan but that was last week uh i i think it was pretty clear with the price of a rental elias lindholm paid for by the vancouver canucks that this, it, particularly if you're talking about center help that could potentially play a second-line role, this was a seller's market. And I'll give credit to Frank Saravelli, and I'm not sure this was, you know, from talking to Ken Hughes and Ken kind of getting what the price for Sean Monaghan out there was, but it's a good bit of business for the Habs. I mean, they took on Monaghan's contract from Calgary and received a first-round pick to take him and now they're moving them on to the Winnipeg Jets, albeit at a much lower cap hit, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, and getting what projects to be a late first-round pick um, back. 
Um, but for the Winnipeg Jets, listen, we're getting a guy that has really revitalized his career, um, having a real strong season with 13 goals and 22 assists for 35 points, which I think would put him second on the Winnipeg Jets right now. Remus just mentioned his prowess in the faceoff dot, which certainly is going to make Rick Bonus happy. And I think probably will make Monaghan more important in Winnipeg than he may have been in some other spots just because of how much the Jets have struggled in the face-off circle and how that has been a big, big part of this season so far. I mean, the fact that the Jets are where they are in the standings with, I mean, challenges in the dot is one thing, but the power play and penalty kill to a lesser extent struggling this season speaks to how well they've been doing at five-on-five. Monaghan... Certainly, I think, can add to the power play and hopefully can be a guy that can come in and sort of spark it with a little bit of new blood. Um, But this is about depth at center. And we saw Remus over the last six games without Mark Shifley that this team was just simply not even close to his offensively potent with 55 out of the lineup and what that did to everywhere else. So presumably Shifley comes back. We have heard from Rick Bonus, and it sounds like Monaghan, as, as expected, is going to be plunked in between Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti uh, on that second line, which then moves Lad Demetsnikov down in the lineup, whether he's playing in the middle on line four um, or potentially in some other areas as he's been such a versatile player. It certainly makes the Jets deeper. I mean, there's there's some boxes that get checked off by this deal. Many people will be wondering whether this is a big enough impact player to make the Jets the team that can come out of the Central Division come playoff time and truly commit and truly contend for a Stanley Cup. Um, but overall right now, while I, I was a little surprised that the Habs were able to get a first-round pick, I think getting it a month out from the deadline and having him come into the team and help now certainly makes the price a little easier to take for Winnipeg. And as you mentioned, the cap number on Monaghan is key. If you're comparing him to a player like Adam Henrique, Henrique's at almost $6 million. Monaghan is at 1.9. So it does allow Kevin Dayoff more options when it comes to further ads closer to the deadline. But at the same time, that first round pick that you know was going to be dangled out in some deal has already gone to Montreal. Yeah, I was, you know, we're looking at the trade bait board and they had Edmonton's first round pick, Vancouver's first round pick. I was surprised that Winnipeg's first round pick didn't make TSN's list. We figured we figured it was going to be on there. And this is, you know, maybe the first time since like the Kevin Hayes deal, they get a guy who's near the top of the trade bait board. And as you said, they needed a center. They've been struggling to score. The power play has struggled. He can definitely help in that area. So I think this is definitely a win for the Jets in terms of he's going to help them but is I think the price is was was high but and I don't know if he's like a bona fide number two center but he's certainly going to help this roster and we're not going to be able to evaluate the entire trade line because we think Chicago Dale will make other moves just from his track record and we'll see what happens throughout the month but yeah to get him a month early so you have him for February March and April instead of you know just March and April is a win so I do like this trade for the Jets. Again, maybe a bit expensive, but I think that's just what the market is right now after the Lindholm trade. And you know, there were reports that the Jets were in on Elias Lindholm, and that was a pretty you know steep price paid for Vancouver. But this certainly is going to help the Jets. And you know, now that he's on the roster, it's official. We can start speculating about lines. 
as you mentioned, uh, Monaghan with Ehlers and Perfetti, and that's what Rick Bonus told Greg Wyshynski at All Star Week. And here, you know, John Lou's tweeting out, uh, you know, speculating on lines, and this is what we got here now, Huss. Oh yeah, it's uh, no games on, but we can sit here and speculate about lines: Connor, Shafley, Velarde, Perfetti, Monaghan, Ehlers, uh, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, Baron, Nemestikov, Ifalo. Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, Pionk, Sambrick, Schmidt, Hellebuck, Brossois. And I think this is a pretty solid, like, uh, solid four lines. And it's funny, Ken even mentioned yesterday he was warming up to the idea of Monaghan. Uh, you know, could he be a match with Perfetti and Ehlers? And I think this is certainly uh, a solid group here, and you hope they can stay healthy, uh, you know, as we move towards the playoffs. Yeah, and, and you know, and we'll we'll dive into more about what Monaghan brings um, to uh, to the Winnipeg Jets with Marat a little bit later on. I mean, I, I think there are some questions. I mean, like I said, I don't think he's in the Adam Lowry category when it comes to you know defensive play. Um, but again, we, this team needs some solid scoring from that two hole to play with Nikolai Ehlers, who I think will be the driver of this line. I did have some questions about just the general foot speed. Um, but listen, I mean, Cole Perfetti's not a burner. If he's playing with uh, with Perfetti, um, I, I think Nikolai Ehlers is probably a guy you're looking at for more zone entries and to maybe be the uh, the catalyst as far as establishing zone time. But certainly, we all know what Perfetti's done so far this year um, and how he's produced offensively. I mean, Monaghan's been getting it done in Montreal. And Ken did make a great point um, yesterday that it, the way the Winnipeg Jets are matched up right now and the way these lines project with how much the Lowry line plays in those top matchups, this line with Monaghan, Ehlers, and Perfetti probably going to be going third over the boards. But I do think we'll probably see a bump in ice time potentially for Ehlers and Perfetti, which I know will make a lot of ha- uh, fans happy. And it could be, especially on home ice, some nice and advantageous matchups for Rick Bonus. And now that they've, uh, you know, got a center in the middle of Ehlers and Perfetti uh, with a little bit, bit more offensive pop. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll be confident. That's a guy you can put on uh, for the draws. He can play, you know, draws, you play power play, you know, give him a nice center with Ehlers and Perfetti. Now you have, you know, your lines pretty much set. We'll see how long they last. You know, the lines you know can change at any time. It's not in pen, in pen here, but uh, you like what it brings. and. Now we can start to wonder, hey, you know, what is there more moves coming? Do they go bring in a guy like Chris Tanev or someone else? Um, so, you, and they're going to be set here first game back against Pittsburgh, and we'll have to wait and see. You know, Mark Shifley, when does he return? And as far as speaking to the media, you mentioned Chevaldeoff holding the press conference on Zoom later this afternoon, which we hope to bring live. And also, Monahan will speak Sunday when the players return. And he'll be here. So uh, exci- definitely a lot of excitement. We did put out a poll in Chad Huss. Just a pretty simple poll. Thoughts on trading for Sean Monaghan? Yay or nay? <laughs> <laughs> pretty simple. Okay, because like, I only got two answers. Uh, 91% of 382 votes say yay. So the chat overwhelmingly positive. We've got over almost 1,000 people. Whoa. In here, yeah, it's busy. So if you are here, hit the thumbs up, subscribe. We're here every day at Sub 1. Sub to the channel. Sub uh, to the channel. It's, this is uh, awesome. This is, this is your spot for daily Jets talk 
here in the peg and uh a nice gift from uh, from Chevy on the off. We we thought this was going to be a real slow week. It has been anything but. Um, and, of course, in some ways, this is a, a domino, I would say, from the aggressive move that the Vancouver Canucks made earlier this week to get Elias Lindholm, who was that number one guy when it came to pending UFA centers that could be on the market from teams that, you know, potentially probably won't be uh, won't be in the playoffs. Um the timing, Schickster mentioned mentioned in the chat. I love that we did the trade early. Um, I sort of agree with you with him on that, and that might be why the price was what it was. I'm sure Kent Hughes would have been more than happy. I mean, they weren't in a hurry; they could have waited it out um, to get their price. Um, and I think, if anything, Chevaldeoff, who has been historically very, very patient, waiting to get the best possible deal for the club, you know, weighed the value of paying Montreal's price, getting Monaghan in now, as opposed to waiting for either other options that may or may not be there um, to try to maybe turn that first rounder into the Montreal second round pick. It is important to know that the Jets do still have Montreal's second rounder from the LA trade, which projects to be in all likelihood a top 40 pick probably. Uh, once uh, once it all settles down. Um, and the other thing about Monaghan that, you know, as we were comparing to a guy like Adam Henrique, is that cap number ream at $1.9 million. I mean, he's uh, easily, easily put into uh, the Winnipeg Jets roster in their current cap situation and still gives Chevy some options as you get closer to March 8th to potentially make another add or two. And it'll be interesting to get Marat's take on that as opposed to, what is next and how much more we might think the Jets would do. Uh, and the other side of this, and I know this has been a hot topic. We were talking about it with a number of you on social media last night. The fact that the Jets did not have to dig into their prospect pool. And, you know, when you look at the price paid for, uh, for Lindholm, when you're getting Kuzmenko, a guy that, you know, scored 39 goals last year, as well as a couple of prospects and the first round pick, um, there was a worry that you know to you know to get a guy that they really wanted, you might be looking at. Well, certainly other teams would be asking for some of the Jets' top prospects. You know, with this deal made simply for a pick, you're losing nobody off the roster right now, and you still have Rucker McGroarty, you still have Brad Lambert, you still have Elias Salmonson, the three top prospects in the Jets organization that I think the team will do everything they can to not only avoid trading, but have in the mix for spots next year, helping the team on the cap with some ELC players as uh, the extensions to Hellebuck and Shifley kick in. Yeah, man, the chat's uh, going in fast here. Us, we just hit over 1,000 people. Got some new members. So it's Pat Rathwell, Wayne Bretzky, Robert Gow, Ken007 with, with the super chat. Ken007, thanks, buddy, and welcome yeah. to all the new members. And, yeah, now let's get to the important questions. Uh, what People are asking, what number is Sean Monaghan going to wear us with the Winnipeg, with the Winnipeg Jets? What, what was he wearing in Montreal? Wasn't he 90? He was 91 in Montreal, which is Perfetti's number Perfetti's. now. 23 previously with Calgary. And that, that might be why Ken007 gave a $23 super chat. And the other question, you. I don't know if the Jets just hinted at his goal song by tweeting out uh, Moni, 
Moni, the Billy Idol <laughs> track, which I think would bring people to their feet for sure as a Winnipeg social banger. Yeah, for sure. I know some people were calling him Money Monahan and doing the Pink Floyd money, but no, Moni no, no. Moni, a yeah. much better goal song as far as uh, if you want people to sort of get into it in the building after yeah. the lamp goes on. Yeah, and again, I like what you bring up about the salary, the fact that he was low. I mean, Adam Henrique, that's... For a guy who maybe gives you similar production. Yeah, close to six mil. And uh, Montreal didn't retain any salary. Uh, Monaghan's low. So the Jets do have room. And you have to wonder, are they going to make another move on the horizon? I know James Duthie hopes so because he's like, well, what are we what are we doing? He's already tweeting out gifts. He's worried, man. He's got yeah. the he's got the collar. Uh, you know, sweat all sweated up. Like, what are we going to talk about for how many hours on uh, the deadline show. So, uh, you know, the Jets jump in the gun early. And I think teams have realized, hey, you know, we need to make these trades early. So you have them for longer. And teams are like, hey, if we know we're going to trade the guy. Why are we waiting? We can get the price we want. And for Montreal, you have, you know, credit to Kent Hughes, us getting a first round pick to take him and then yeah. sending him away. Like, has that ever happened? That's wild. Good, good bit of business. Good bit of business by the Habs for sure. And listen, uh, they said what they wanted for it. I really figured that this would be a dance that would go much longer towards the deadline, and we would all speculate, in my case, wrongly, that the Habs would not get a first-rounder for Monaghan. Well, they just did, and the Jets paid it. But there is a value um, to acting now in a similar way to, that, uh, that Vancouver did. I mean, if Monaghan can come in, um, get some chemistry going with his new line mates and you know, help the Jets in the short term... I mean, it's huge because, as we mentioned, Vancouver make an aggressive move. They're thinking about the playoffs, but they're also thinking about this regular season and trying to finish on top of the Pacific Division. And while at the beginning of the season, uh, myself, and I don't think many of you thought that we'd be talking about the All-Star break with the Jets right there at the top of the division, technically in first by points percentage with some games in hand over Dallas and Colorado, um, that they have the opportunity to win the Central. And... When you look at the landscape of the Western Conference right now, in both the Pacific Division with Vegas, Vancouver, and Edmonton, and in the Central with Winnipeg, Colorado, and Dallas, finishing first and getting one of the wildcard teams in round one while the other two teams in their division uh, play each other in round number one is a is a huge, huge advantage. And that has to be the Winnipeg Jets goal going down the stretch. Get yourself a better matchup in round number one. And at the same time, let Colorado and Dallas beat the hell out of each other in a best of seven and then have home ice in the final for the division to potentially move on to the conference finals. So, um, you know, we have not always seen the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Sheveldayoff be as aggressive this early. I think in this situation, particularly the situation, the way the landscape of this division looks right now, uh, and coming off the Elias Lindholm trade, it made sense to do this right now and get Sean Monahan in on Sunday and uh, have him get on to hitting the road with the fellas when they head to Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Got to get jump the gun. There's a lot of teams who want to center. Not a lot of centers available. Uh, certainly fills a need. Checks a lot of boxes, and which is why the chat, 558 people, 92% voting yay. Over, I just wrote th thoughts, question mark. I mean, on the trade, but, uh, you know, we are, I think we're hitting a record number of viewers here ever approaching 
1100 in the chat 1095 so hey well that means there's a lot of new people great to have you here with us on winnipeg sports talk uh join us monday to friday 1 p.m we're live on youtube and you can get our podcast available right after we finish the program by going to wherever you get your favorite pods and just search winnipeg sports talk and uh, follow subscribe whatever the terminology is on your uh, provider uh, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button right here uh, on YouTube and join us where uh, the fun really happens with our chat. And speaking of, like, I know you did the poll very simply, um, but I'll put the obvious question for our why not question of the day for not Autocorp but Waverly and McGilvery out to the chat. Um, your thoughts on the price paid for Sean Monahan, in particular, the first rounder. Um, and does it change your opinion on giving up the pick for Monaghan because of the timing of the deal right now, getting an extra month of Monaghan services as opposed to waiting to the deadline. Why not question of the day? Give us in your chat and uh, give us your thoughts in the chat and we'll be paying attention to those throughout the uh, throughout the afternoon. Um, this is fun though, man, Remo. I, I, the trades always bring them out. I did not think we'd have this sort of a crowd on Friday today. And yes, for all of you that are asking, does Monaghan get a marble? Damn right he gets a marble. And for no folks, join us later on. We'll have Kevin Day off live at 2.45 p.m. And afterwards, make sure to stick around. We have a very fun finale to the week every week uh, here on WST with a marble race uh, that uh, we enjoy uh, welcoming everyone in. And uh, I know a couple winners are uh, going to be picking up their hoodies after the show today. So I'll look forward to seeing uh, seeing them. Um, right off the bat, I've mentioned that Whiskey Fest event. I'm seeing, I saw Bart Oman picked up some tickets. I know Slobo grabbed four. Um, so we are right down to the final few. So if you want to join us on the 29th for Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, a special event with Winnipeg Sports Talk at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Get the tickets now. There's a link in the description. There's a link at the top of the chat. And if you're listening to the podcast, hopefully there's still some tickets remaining. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on Whiskey for the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass, part of the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival hosted by Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll be watching the Jets-Dallas game on a big screen going to be a real real fun night so uh, jump on those tickets while they last uh, i don't think we'll have any as we get into monday's show um but um certainly a lot of people here if you like whiskey you like hanging out you like watching the winnipeg jets it's going to be a real real fun event down at the manitoba sports hall of fame and a big shout out to our friends at canadian club canada's favorite canadian whiskey for their support of winnipeg sports talk uh, we're gonna have dennis bayak jump on right now Gotta give big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershop. Fellas, if you need a cut, need to look good, pop down to one of their eight locations in Winnipeg, conveniently located all around the city. Uh, and they got you covered with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com. Give them a follow on Instagram as well at Modern Man Barbershops. And a big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. Of course, we know Donnie and the gang have been doing their thing with the best prices in town while you shop local on batteries of all sizes, all makes and models. Well, February's here and later on this month, Manitoba Battery opening a second location in the south side of the city over on Dover Court. 
We'll let you know about grand opening specials and sales coming up in the next couple of weeks on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But in the meantime, for all your battery needs at the best prices with free delivery on any purchase over 60 bucks anywhere inside the perimeter, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 204-783-8787. And just before we bring in Bayak, don't forget, Jets start out on the road next week. But we'll see Sean Monahan's first game at home as a Winnipeg Jet on Saturday night against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, February 10th. Still a few tickets available for that game. Get to winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Get tickets for the Penguins game on Saturday night, the Valentine's Day game against the Sharks, and, of course, the long-awaited rematch of the Minnesota Wild coming in on February 20th. Uh, it's all there for you at winnipegjets.com. And while you're at it, think about getting back into a package, which will get you playoff tickets as well, four, six, eight-game packages, or get back into season tickets heading into next year. They can help you with that at winnipegjets.com as well and give the True North office a call. All right, Marat coming up from The Athletic to break down his thoughts on the acquisition of Sean Monaghan. Um, but what perfect timing. We were already going to talk to Dennis Bayak today about how he's doing in retirement. And we get a chance to talk about some big news, including the firing of Todd McClellan, international best on best coming. And of course, the big news of the day, Sean Monaghan. Let's welcome in the longtime voice of the Jets, Dennis Bayak, right now on WST. Dennis, it's great to have you on the program. How are you doing? I'm really doing well, Huss. Go Chiefs, go. I'm surprised you're not wearing a uh, Kansas City Chiefs jersey this morning. I've pretty much gone through the entire rotation so far this week, and then we'll be preparing to uh, get back at it next week. Yeah. Um, but today, I'll be honest, I mean, uh, with the Jets off, I didn't think we would have such a newsy day today. I mean, obviously we want to catch up with you in the final tournament, but uh, big news today with the Jets making a pretty aggressive move to get Sean Monaghan for a first-round pick, well, what do you think of the trade and the acquisition by the Winnipeg Jets? Well, the timing is really good. Uh, NHL may not think so. I'm not sure the NHL is fond of teams making trades uh, during the All-Star break, but uh, to take away some of the uh, some of the news and some of the uh, the headlines. But uh, you know what? A good trade for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that second-line center spot has been an area of uh, rotation for them. They've looked at some different people there and. As much as uh, Nemestikov has done a real good job in there, I think Sean Monaghan comes in and brings some things that they need. Uh, face-offs have been an area of concern for the Winnipeg Jets. I think Monaghan will help in that. And I think it's a, I think we saw the fresh start in Montreal for Sean Monaghan was good for him. And I think he will look at this move to Winnipeg as a real good opportunity to join a real good team and, uh, and to do some things. So, uh, a good trade for the Winnipeg Jets. They got the player, which is number one. We know that. And secondly, didn't have to give up a player in return. Yes, it's a first-round draft pick, which I know some people are going to say is going to be awful high, but it would have been a late first-round draft pick anyway. I think they have an early second-round pick, so you're probably only talking about a handful of, of difference uh, in spots. Uh, and they fill a need that they needed, so a good trade. Yeah, and I think that, you know... I have a feeling that in Chevy's mind, it was pretty clear what Montreal's price was. And if you're going to pay it, you may as well get the guy in for an extra month and, um, you know, have the entire team build in together right out of the player break, uh, hopefully with Mark Scheifele coming back as well. I mean, that extra month of Monaghan, if it helps you 
um, stay on top of the Pacific Division or the uh, Central Division. And there's a big, big advantage to being in first this year and letting Dallas and Colorado beat the hell out of each other in the first round if you can get to that point after 82. Well, with Lindholm gone, uh, I, I think the interest in Sean Monaghan was just simply going to go up over the next few weeks here. It's not like there's a whole bunch of centermen that are out there that are available, and there are teams that are looking. There's teams that are dealing with injuries. The Rangers have got some injuries right now. They might have been looking to fill that spot as well. Other teams, Boston's looking. Uh, so the, I'm not sure the price would have come down on Monaghan. So you know what? You get the deal done. You bring him in right now. Uh, you know, maybe the Jets need a bit of a spark going into the post-All-Star part of the schedule. Uh, lots of talk during the break here about what happened last year. Uh, I don't. I can't see that happening. I think if they get every everybody back, if Brendan Dillon's ready to go, Mark Scheifele's ready to go, they add Monaghan, uh, I think it's going to be a, an exciting finish to the schedule and, and certainly a great run. Well, you know, Dennis, it's been a minute since we've had you on. I mean, uh, I just thoughts on the season so far this year and just how well this team has played and where they sit in the standings as we get into the, uh, you know, the rush to the trade deadline and uh, the playoffs. Yeah, they were having good years from a lot of people and it kind of dried up a little bit. And I think that's kind of been the issue offensively here as of late. Uh, Nemestikov, uh, you know, Niederreiter, Cole Perfetti, uh, some of the offense from some of those players has dried up a little bit. Uh, I don't think that's a, an area of major concern, and I don't think it's going to be a long-term effect. I think we'll see some of that once it's all hands on deck here for the second half. But, uh, you know, there's always areas that, that are, are of concern to coaches. I know that the power play gets lots of talk and, uh, and that, but uh, this is a real good team. I, I think uh, what we've seen from Mark Shifley this year has been very positive. Uh, Josh Morrissey, I think the... Naming of Adam Lowry captain of this team was a was a move that had to be made, uh, and it's uh, paid huge dividends, I think, in that dressing room for the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, a team that seems uh, very much together. Uh, I did go to the Winnipeg Jets game here when they were in Arizona. That's where we are. And, uh, you know, did get down to the dressing room, and there seemed to be they won the game. Lots of smiling faces, lots of happy people in that dressing room. So... Uh, it's been a real good year for them, and now we get down to the crunch time. Well, winning is fun, and they've been doing a lot of it so far this year. And uh, obviously now uh, with Sean Monaghan, uh, expectations will continue to be high heading down this stretch, and uh, we'll see what happens in the regular season and hopefully a long playoff run. Um, I have to ask you about what's happened in L.A. I mean, a nightmare start for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and uh, despite winning that final game in Nashville heading into the break, Todd McClellan fired today, Dennis. I, they had such a good start. It's almost, well, it is shocking, frankly, that this team is where they're at right now. Well, and this one, you know, hits a little home. Todd uh, McClellan is a former Saskatoon Blade. Uh, good friend. I still keep in touch uh, with Todd on a regular basis. So uh, a little bit surprised, but that is the nature of today's business. I said this before, Pierre-Luc Dubois could be leading the NHL in scoring, and that was still an excellent trade for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and it's been a bit of a struggle for Pierre-Luc Dubois in Los Angeles. Uh, watched a game last week that went to overtime. Uh, he didn't see the ice in the last part of the third period. He didn't see the ice in overtime. Uh, so obviously it's not the year that, that he was looking to have. I still think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a good hockey player. And maybe when things settle down in L.A., uh, we'll see the player that he can be. 
and LA expected him to be. But certainly a lot of pressure now on Rob Blake, the general manager. Uh, he made the trade. He did the signing. And, uh, you know, they were strong up the middle. That was the question mark. And the other question mark is they had such a great start to the year. So what happened? And, uh, you know, coaches, that's why coaches get paid a lot better now than what they did 15 years ago is because the first person that pays the price is the coach, rightfully or wrongfully. Uh, it's the coach that pays the price. And uh, we'll see. We'll see whether uh, whether Todd decides to continue or whether he decides that uh, this is enough coaching and, and he moves on to something else. But uh, uh, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised. The fact they won that last game, I thought maybe they would give it some time to see whether or not that was a kickstart uh, and they can get back to what they were at the start of the year. But uh, obviously Rob Blake felt differently and, uh, and the coaching change was made. Yeah. And obviously we'll get to more of that later on today on the program. Hey, one other big news, and this is just great for hockey, the sport in general, Olympic participation in 2026 is a go finally. And we're going to have a mini four team tournament next year which I know isn't the true best-on-best best of the entire world, but sign me up for Canada-USA playing a couple times in best-on-best. Best. Well, that best-on-best best is always good. you got the country rivalries. You always do. Uh, I mean, we've all followed international hockey enough to know that, that there's some great rivalries. Uh, there's some great players uh, that, play, that are coming from other countries that, uh, that get a chance to showcase their talents. As far as the Olympics is concerned, I think this is terrific. Uh, I guess it gives a chance for Crosby and McDavid to to finally suit up together on the same team. But uh, I, I just think best on best in the Olympics like this is terrific for the game of hockey. And I know it's difficult for the owners. And that's where the split came. And that's where Gary Bettman was hearing from both sides. Uh, there's some owners who simply don't want to take the risk, number one, of losing some of their players to injury uh, from a, an Olympic competition. Uh, they don't want to take... Uh, time away from the schedule at, at that time of the year, uh, which is a good time to draw fans. Uh, so that's a concern for some owners. But for the good of the game and the big picture, uh, I, I just think it's great to have the NHL players at the Olympics. It's best on best. And uh, I, I think as hockey fans, uh, that's something we always love to see. Well, and speaking of best on best, I will say I'm actually quite intrigued and looking forward to this skills competition tonight uh, with what they've done with the top 12 players doing multiple events. I kind of think they might be onto something, Dennis. And I mean, the game is the game. I don't know how you can make it better right now with where we're at, but Agreed. I have a feeling and we'll find out tonight that, you know, if the, I mean, listen, these guys are going for a million bucks, but you know, to have the likes of McDavid and Matthews and Pasternak and Dreisaitl, I mean, some of the top stars in the league doing a bunch of different events. I have a feeling this might completely revolutionize the skills portion, at least of the All-Star weekend. Well, and I would hope by the end of the weekend, there's a charity that is a benefactor of all this, that the player that wins the million dollars uh, turns around because the players are, that are competing, million dollars maybe doesn't seem that much to them. Uh, so maybe there's a charity that... Uh, that's the winner in all of this. You know what? Uh, we, we talk about things having to maybe hit rock bottom before they get turned <laughs> around. Last year in Florida may have been rock bottom uh, with some of the events that uh, that they had there. And I know they tried to bring in how great Florida was and, and the sunshine and the warm weather and, and the ocean and everything else. But uh, 
you know what, there were some things last year that I'm not sure true hockey fans or even average hockey fans uh, enjoyed watching for more than 30 seconds. Uh, so, yeah, the new format this year, I think, is great. Uh, it's uh, it's the top players of the league, and I, I think it's great to have – I think this is the first time, I might be wrong, that Connor McDavid's been involved in the fastest skater competition. Exactly. I think he is. Uh, you know, so uh, I, I think it's great. You know what, I think it's good for the fans. Uh, the building's going to be sold out. It's good for them. It's good for television. And I just think big picture, it's good for the game. Dennis Bax with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, uh, Dennis, I mean, uh, you know, away from the big news on a very newsy day, uh, we wanted to catch up and see how you're doing. I mean, congratulations. Uh, officially retired now after one more tournament overseas. Uh, we saw that great moment with you and Craig Button. We played it on the show. Um, how, was the, uh, how was the final run, and have you missed the microphone over the last month or so? No, I haven't. You know what? I had the breaks, uh, so maybe eventually it'll – uh, maybe it'll sink in and I will miss it. I'm not sure. I miss the people. You know what? That's who you miss. You miss, I'm at, that's what I miss about Winnipeg when, when I was done there. You miss sitting at practice and, and, uh, you know, BSing about hockey with the guys and, and the people you work with and, uh, and all of that. But, uh, it was, I didn't know what to expect in that last tournament. Uh, and you try to get it to people to keep it low key, but, Basically, they tell you just to just just stay out of it. Uh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and uh, it really was special. There's a, there's a couple of gals at TSN, Arden and Aislin Deutsch Flynn, their sisters, and they came up with the idea of a jersey, uh, what a big Jets jersey. So on the front of it is the Jets logo with the laces that say from Flinflon to Gothenburg, Sweden. And on the back of it has all the logos of the teams that, that I was involved with in the Western Hockey League uh, and the National Hockey League, uh, original logos on the back of the jersey. So it's, it's, it's really a unique idea. It's really special. But they didn't have the initial Flintflon Bombers uh, logo. Uh, so the Bombers internally put it out. Uh, is anybody uh, willing to part with a jersey or a logo from the early 70s and Dwayne Bray, who was a defenseman when I was when I was there, and that's where it started for me. So that's what makes this kind of special. Uh, you know, I've said this before. You always know there's going to be a last game. You never know if there's going to be a first game. And uh, my first game was in Flin Flon. And, and so they put it out internally, and that's where the jersey came from. And they made the decision that between the uh, second and third period of that game, there was going to be this presentation, and and it was special. Uh, there's, there's no other way to put it. Uh, I mean, I've been... Uh, around Craig Button for years, going all the way back to uh, when he was scouting. Uh, I was a general manager in the Western Hockey League. He played a part in us getting Brian Boucher to try cities. Uh, so Craig and I go back a long time, and and we've done a lot of uh, World Juniors together. And and uh, to have him part of that was was good. And uh, so I've kind of had the three. I had the the NHL one, the last game against Seattle with the Winnipeg Jets, which was great. Uh, last world championship game was in Riga, Latvia, Sweden and Latvia. Riga pulls off the big upset. Uh, the building is absolutely electric. There's 15,000 people outside the building. And then the world junior here that just finished. So, uh, you know, what? I've been blessed uh, to be around a lot of good people for uh, for a long time. And uh, and to have it end this way was was good. Now that uh, now that you don't have to be at the rink every day and obviously having some fun elsewhere, uh, I'm sure you're still paying attention to uh, the league and I'd imagine the Jets too with the season that they're having. 
Well, the Jets for sure. I watch probably 90% of the games. The only ones that I maybe do miss are uh, the afternoon games when uh, when Bev and I are out golfing or something, and, uh, and, and we may miss uh, the odd afternoon game. But the evening games I watch, uh, I don't want to be the guy that watches hockey every night from when the games start until the games end. I might become that in a couple of years. I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, but right now I watch the Winnipeg Jets games and then what, you know, uh, I'll sit around and, and look at scores. And if there's a game that's tied three, three between Colorado and Dallas or Vegas and the Rangers, whoever, uh, if it's tied three, three in the third period, I'll flip over to that game and watch the end of that and, and see how they end up. But there's, there is other games that I'll watch from, uh, from start to finish, but, uh, certainly I've, I've followed the Winnipeg Jets and, and, uh, you know, part of it, uh, I mean, Dan and, and Kevin, like, I enjoy watching them with John and, and uh, on the broadcast. But, uh, you know, you know the people involved. Uh, I wasn't there with Rick Bonus, was there with the Jets, but I certainly have known Rick over the years. Uh, Scott Arneal, of course, and then the players that uh, were there when I was there, the Adam Lowry's and the Shifley's and the Morrissey's. And uh, the list goes on and on and on. So uh, you, you don't spend that much time around people and then just kind of forget about them. So yeah, I watched the Winnipeg Jets and have enjoyed what I've seen. Well, and you know, you mentioned Rick bonus. I mean, uh, you know, Rick's touched and probably, you know, has had an effect on just about everyone. I mean, 50 years in the game, but uh, how cool is it that the Jets were able to get bones to the all-star game? Not that there's much coaching to do in this three on three, um, but man, it's great to see Bones there getting recognized. And I think it's a real honor for the Jets organization to have Bones there based on what they've done so far this year. Well, there's a connection there. And after the after Dallas, I don't know if, if Rick would have gone back to coaching had the offer not come from Winnipeg. I think there were some ties there going back to uh to when, you know, he was much younger and uh and, and he came back and, you know, then last year was last year what happened and what he said at the end of the year. And and uh, I think it's a credit to everybody involved, how they all got over that. I mean, there was people at the end of last year that said there's no way that Rick Bonus can come back and coach this group. Uh, well, not only did he come back and coach this group, uh, he has them sitting in a real good spot in the Western Conference and and earned going to the All-Star game. So good for him. Uh, good for the players that are there and good for the players, as you mentioned, us that that worked hard the first half of the year to get their coach to the All-Star game. So good for him. You know what? He'll enjoy it. Uh, I'm not sure how much coaching is involved uh, in the All-Star game. I think you just kind of stand back there and pick the guys that you send out there and, and let them go. But I don't think there's a lot of X's and O's and, uh, uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, I hope that uh, he and his family enjoy it and and uh, a nice reward for him because he's been such a key part of the game for so many years. Yeah, obviously we'll see Rick in the event and uh, both Connor, uh, Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck taking part in the skills competition and the All-Star game tomorrow representing the Winnipeg Jets. I do want to double back to something that you mentioned. We were talking about Sean Monaghan and the team right now, and that's Captain Adam Lowry. And You've been around Adam for a long, long time, and um, we talked about you know the difficult decision when you have players like Josh Morrissey who probably were very capable of doing that. But, I mean, just give us your thoughts on what you've seen from Adam Lowry as a captain and a leader and, and how much that has helped the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, throughout the lineup. Well, going back to when Adam first joined the Winnipeg Jets, 
Uh, it didn't take long for us to realize, and by us I mean media, TSN, and everybody else, that Adam Lowry was a stand-up kind of person. Uh, he was one of those guys that if the team was down three after the period and some players would say, I'm not doing the post-period interview, Adam Lowry never said no. And not only did Adam Lowry come out and do the interview, Adam Lowry gave you a real good explanation of what happened in that period that got them down 3 nothing or up 3 nothing, whatever the case was. You also found out very quickly that if there was something you really needed a good explanation on about how do you play against this guy, how do you do this, Adam Lowry was a guy you went to, and he had all the time in the world for you uh, and would explain and answer every question that you had. So uh, it didn't take us long to, to realize the character that Adam Lowry was. And then I think as he matured, uh, and, you know, I know there was this talk about you can't have a third-line center be your captain. Well, uh, I think the number one job of a captain is in the dressing room. And, uh, you know, from, from what I understand, uh, when Adam Lowry walks into the room now, it starts a conversation amongst the leaders and amongst all the players who have something to say if things aren't going good or if things are going good. You don't just look at captains when... When things aren't going good, even when things are aren't you know are are going good, you look at your leaders and and your captains. So I think it was a great choice. Uh, I think he was the he was the perfect man for the job. And so far, the the early returns have been real good. Well, and, and you know, looking back to uh, I mean, while you were here, um, you know, listen, teams are different year by year, but I think we can all agree the dressing room was very different. But Adam Lowry throughout that time, in a lot of ways, Dennis really seemed to be the bridge, if you will, from the more veteran established players, the leadership to many of the younger, less established players. And he was playing a very important role in the room for a long time, even before getting this nod. But in a way, it's sort of been a natural progression, I would suggest, for Adam to be the guy wearing the C right now. Well, it has been. And that's just, that's natural. That's That doesn't just happen in sports. It happens uh, in life. You have a You have an age difference. I mean, Andrew Ladd, Dustin Bufflin, Blake Wheeler, Brian Little, they were, they were one era. Then the young guys started to come up. And, and the older players don't know the young players. The young players are maybe intimidated by some of the older players who have been around the National Hockey League for a long time. So then over the years, you see the change. And, and, and Adam Lowry was one of those guys. I mean, a lot of this goes back to him being around dressing rooms uh, with his dad, Dave, who was a great character player in the National Hockey League, so a lot of that rubbed off. But Adam Lowry has been around NHL dressing rooms for a long time uh, with his dad. So he understands what a room should look like, what it should be. So he had this idea of if when he got named captain, this is how I see this running, and and he's followed through on that. But you're right. Back in the days uh, when you when you maybe had an older team and a younger group, uh, Adam Lowry was the, kind of the go-between. And uh, so now it's the younger guys. It's and they're not young anymore. Uh, the Mark Shifley's, the Josh Morrissey's, the the Adam Lowry's. But I think it's very much an open dressing room. And this isn't a knock on anybody because I think when young players come in and you have established players, I, I think it's difficult. It's no different than our business. If we come in there and there's veteran broadcasters, we maybe aren't as open to say things as we would be in our own little group. And uh, uh, but it's it's really worked out well, and and uh, it's good to see what what Adam has done. 
Dennis, uh, might we see you uh, make a special guest star appearance back here for uh, maybe a little playoff action, a whiteout in a couple months? I don't know. Uh, the thought has crossed my mind, but uh, we'll see. The red carpet uh, will be rolled out if it happens. Well, uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, I've enjoyed just sitting back and uh, and a glass of rouge and uh, or a Paloma, whatever the case may be, and and just being a fan and watching the game on television. So, but you never say never. I mean, it's uh, lots of connections to Winnipeg. I mean, our our tenure in in Winnipeg, uh, you know, and Bev and I just I loved our time there. I mean, she's a Saskatchewan girl, and I'm a Manitoba boy, and and uh, it couldn't have the NHL part of this couldn't have ended up any better with uh, coming back to Winnipeg for the last 11 years. The Jets coming back and and coming back and having the opportunity to uh, you know to to be the broadcaster for them, and uh, it was great on the ice. It was great off the ice. I still have lots of friends and relatives in Winnipeg, so it was good to get back and reconnect with them and. Meet a lot of new friends like yourself and and, uh, and everybody else along the way, Michael, and uh, and that. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's going to be an exciting time. I think it's going to be an exciting spring in Winnipeg, no doubt. Well, I didn't. I didn't like the fact the groundhog today said there's going to be six more weeks of winter back there for you guys, though. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not sure how much say the groundhog has in it, to be perfectly honest, Dennis. But it's gorgeous out right now. I mean, we're last week of January with it being. Plus is uh, is a win for everybody in Winnipeg. I don't know about it this is. global warming, but maybe uh, Winnipeg's the the winner uh, in, in it all right now. <laughs> Just quickly on playoff hockey. I mean, you had this incredible career, done so much. I would imagine that those atmospheres at Canada Life Center in the playoffs, particularly that run in seventeen eighteen, has to be amongst um, some of the most fun you've had as a broadcaster. Well, no doubt the win in Nashville. Uh... And, uh, you know, I remember saying we're, we're off to Vegas and, and, uh, you know what, it was, uh, playoff hockey is special. Uh, I mean, we see the white out in Winnipeg, which just adds more to it, but what happens in playoffs, every play gets magnified. Every face-off becomes more important. Every penalty kill becomes more important. Uh, every little play that during the season would just be sloughed off as a little play. It's not a little play. It's big because it means something. And, and uh, you know the, the the and I still you still go back to and little things that 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 you remember. If they would have been able to finish off Nashville in Game Six, and I know it's hindsight and and it's it's a moot point now. You wonder what might have happened, and uh, and but they didn't. And uh, but some of the you know that that first game the the against some of the games uh, the goals against Nashville that. I mean, there was a couple of goals there. I thought the roof was going to come off, off the building in Winnipeg there, and uh, and and I think this was going to be another run. 2018 was really an exciting time in Winnipeg, and uh, I think the spring of 2024 is going to be an exciting time in Winnipeg. Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. I know you're paying close attention to uh, to the team. We may. Uh twist your arm uh, and maybe get you off the links for a, a little bit as we get closer to the playoffs to talk a little bit more about this, sure. but uh, thanks so much for doing this. I mean, obviously, you know, we uh, uh, all feel so lucky to have crossed paths with you and work with you and um, you know, the, the love from you in the chat. I mean, especially, you know, when you officially finish things up, 
with the World Juniors was uh, you could just see the impact you made on so many hockey fans here. So it's just great to have you back, get a chance to catch up, and uh, wish you well. Hope the putts will be dropping and you'll keep them straight and uh, keep on enjoying some Winnipeg Jets hockey from the comfort of your own home with that glass of red. And the uh, the putting needs some work. Huss, uh, I mean, good job by you because times change and things change in this business. And uh, you were part of that change in Winnipeg. And uh, you you grabbed on to something here. And you and Michael have done a real good job with this. It's something that I think Winnipeg really appreciates, uh, something that the city needed. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, the city was going to have to survive without any kind of sports talk at all. And uh, you fill the void, I think, for a lot of people here. So congrats on that. Keep it going. We greatly appreciate it, Dennis. Uh, listen, have a great one. Enjoy the festivities this uh, weekend. If uh, you're tuning in to any of the All-Stars, as I say, I think the skills will be worth it. Yeah. Um, and we'll catch up again maybe towards the playoffs. But uh, continued success. All the best to Bev. And uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, it's right. always a treat for Jet fans to catch up with you. Thanks, guys. Be well. Man, what a treat to have Dennis on uh, any time, but especially today with so many things happening in real, in regards to the Winnipeg Jets as well as hockey in general. Um, again, we touched on a little bit with Dennis, but Todd McClellan getting the pink slip in L.A. today. And uh, if we have time, we'll get to this with Murad. We'll certainly be kicking this around over the coming weeks, but uh, best on best hockey is back. Looking forward to that Four Nations tournament next year, but mostly getting our best against the world's best coming up in the next two Olympics. Um, great stuff with Dennis Bayak. We're going to get right back into the Monaghan conversation with Murata Tesh of The Athletic in just a minute. Uh, of course, the big bomber news yesterday was uh, the official signing and hearing from Chris Streveler. Going to be having uh, plenty here on Winnipeg Sports Talk pertaining to CFL free agency next week, so make sure to join us. Of course, all of our bomber reports are brought to you by the proud new sponsor of the home of the Bombers, Princess Auto. Looking forward to getting out to Princess Auto Stadium next year and seeing the blue and gold. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of uh, all of our local sports teams and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique and uh, unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365, proudly headquartered right here in the peg, Princess Auto. Um, speaking of doing great things in Winnipeg for a long time, our friends at Wallace & Wallace have been the uh, fencing and overhead door experts in town for just about 80 years, since 1946. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city, what you might not know is that they are the leaders in overhead garage doors at the Clopay dealer in Manitoba with the largest selection of overhead doors for your home. But right now, as we get through this winter, as nice as it is right now, winter is the time that puts the most stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace and Wallace a call to uh, arrange your maintenance and service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. That is Wallace and Wallace. And uh, hey guys, if you're looking at the closet and realize you maybe need to up your menswear game, the only one place you need to go is uh, F Apparel. I know our boy Connor's gonna get down there this afternoon and get uh, measured up for some new duds. 
Um, F has it all for you guys, including custom suits made to fit, starting at just $400, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you're getting married this year, tying the knot, or maybe in a wedding party, make sure to talk to the fellas at F about a 15% discount when the wedding party gets their suits at F Apparel. Pop by and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown, just a nine iron away from the rink. Uh, and of course, you can also find out more online uh, and make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And just as we bring in uh, Marat, you know, we've uh, been talking a little baseball this week with the new manager of the Gold Eyes. It's it's feeling a little springy, um, but we're looking forward to summer when the hockey season's over and we get out on the water. There's time for fishing, and when you think fishing in Manitoba, there's nothing like the Aikens Lake experience already counting down the days to get back out there this year. If you're looking for an incredible fly-in fishing experience for friends, family, or business or a corporate trip, there's nothing like Aikens Lake. You can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, and as great as the fishing is, the hospitality of the Turen family and the Aikens Lake team is even better. Find out more about availability for this year's fishing season at Aikens Lake right now online at AikensLake.com. All right, we've got a lot to get to. Big trade today, Winnipeg Jets acquiring Sean Monahan. We have over 1,100 people live in the chat right now. Jet fans want to hear from Murata Tesh. And he joins us now. Marat, great to have you on the program today. And uh, perfect time. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, great to be here. No shortage of news. And, you know, I'm actually spending the break in L.A. where a coach was just fired. And, of course, Winnipeg acquired Sean Monahan. So, yeah, happy to get to all of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, maybe get to the L.A. situation in the world. But, I mean, let's start with Monaghan. I mean, what was your what were your first reaction when uh, you heard the Jets acquired Monaghan as well as the price that Kevin Sheveldayoff paid to uh, shore up their center position? So I have outgoing texts in my phone going back two weeks and a couple of days uh, to multiple people, agents, friends, but people around the NHL basically asking, can you think of a better fit for the Winnipeg Jets than Sean Monaghan. Can you think of a Sean Monaghan type fit that checks all of those same boxes for the Jets that isn't Sean Monaghan? Is there, is there a better version of that available? Is there a different version of that available? And so when Winnipeg actually pulled the trigger and closed the deal on him, I thought to myself, well, hey, they were so shopping for a Sean Monaghan type. Of course it's him. Um, I do. I can, I can say with confidence he's a player that the Jets have liked for a long time. That is one of those situations where he's been on the radar for a minute. I know he got hurt heading into the trade deadline last year. That may have had an effect. Uh, the other thing, though, in addition to the idea that they this is a player that they've wanted for some time, is this is not Paul Stastny. This is not a star-level player. This is maybe not even Winnipeg's second-line center that they acquired. You consider how Winnipeg runs things. Sean Monaghan is going to be a secondary scoring line center with Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers. With Adam Lowry doing so much heavy lifting for Rick Bonus, you can uh, you can think of it as almost a middle six acquisition, a third line center on a lot of nights. And if you do keep your expectations in check in that regard, I think he's a great fit for Winnipeg. You know, the I, I mean, I'm sort of with you. I mean, he certainly does tick off a couple of the boxes and we know Rick Bonus is going to love his prowess in the face-off circle. Um, and he's been scoring. And I get the hope certainly would be, Marat, is that Sean Monaghan can uh, 
help improve the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets power play, which has been a big topic this year. Despite the 30 wins the team has put up, the special team's performance just has not been there so far. Um, how are you feeling about Monahan's ability to add some uh, add some life to a power play that uh, has struggled? Yeah, so that was actually one of my first plays after getting up a couple of words for The Athletic, and I have a bunch more coming today. Got a full deep dive going into it. And, of course, Kevin Shoveldayoff is speaking soon, too. Um, but my first play after that was to watch 40 Sean Monahan power play shifts back to back to back to back. Uh, and so what he's done in Montreal is he's uh, scored 10 power play assists so far this season. He's on pace to set a new career high on that front. How is he doing it? He's playing in the bumper position, middle of the ice. He's got tremendous vision. He's got eyes on the back of his head, really. And he gets a lot of puck touches from that position. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if the if the player who plays that position is going to necessarily be able to single-handedly reroute the Winnipeg Jets' fortunes. I think that Winnipeg's power play struggles more to an overall lack of movement than it does... Uh, a sense of the personnel not being good enough. Like, are you kidding me? Mark Shifley is not good enough to quarterback an elite power play. Yes, he is. But I think that the way that they've run things has been a challenge. So I'm not saying he comes in and immediately fixes that. I am saying that he does some things that Winnipeg needs. And based off what, what, what I watched from his Montreal shifts, here's what he's going to do. He's going to play the bumper position in the middle of the ice, likely on Winnipeg's top power play. He's going to move his feet. Slightly. He's going to be in motion um, within that role. He's going to open up lanes that way. And he's going to have his head on a swivel. He's going to make smart passes, quick decisions, and move that puck into dangerous positions from that spot. Is that a single-handed power play turnaround? No. But I think it's going to be good performance at a spot that Winnipeg has a job opening. Um, how important is the face-off circle in this deal? I mean, it depends on what lens you want to wear. Rick Bonus. NHL coaches, the the memory of so many big plays decided off of face-off wins, believe me, that matters. And Winnipeg has talked about face-offs a lot. Rick Bonus values face-offs a lot. You go back to Sean Monaghan's, you know, sort of post-injury career. If you focus just on Montreal, he's won 55% of his draws at even, like overall, 55% of his draws on the power play. That's going to give Rick Bonus and company trust and faith and optimism that he can win those defensive zone draws on the left side, his strong side. He can be somebody who wins draws when Adam Lowry isn't going or when he needs a break, because certainly that's been Winnipeg's premier face-off guy this season. Uh, so that is going to be big. And I think that the confidence that Winnipeg will have from his role as a face-off winner is going to have a trickle-down. Because Shifley's line is a known quantity when healthy. Lowry's line is a known quantity. But one thing that happens is that secondary scoring line with Ehlers and Perfetti gets off the bench third. And that's not just third off the beginning of a game. It's third off of a TV timeout. It's third when things get chaotic. I think Sean Monaghan's ability to win those D-zone draws, offer a little bit of size, get that puck going north. He's not a premier shutdown defender, but he can win those draws and do some things, move the puck. I think that's going to offer more ice time, more confidence in that line overall. And if Winnipeg's a playoff performer, you need three lines that can outproduce their minutes. And I think that's going to be an enormous piece. By the way, shout out to, uh, and listen, everybody in chat. We're uh, setting records today with the amount of people joining us live on YouTube. Great to have everybody new here. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. We're here Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, live on YouTube. And follow the uh, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. 
comes out right after the show, usually around 3.30 in time for your uh, for your ride home. And hey, thanks very much to Stan Scott, who loved our visit with Dennis Bayak. Nice, uh, appreciate the super chat, Stan. Dennis is a class act, great show, guys. Um, you know, Marat, it, Rick Bonus has said it looks like Sean Monaghan is going to start with Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti. Um, that was the real big hole the minute Vlad Nemetsnikov moved into Mark Shifley's spot. Um, you sort of mentioned this in your last answer, so I'll probe a little bit more. Um, for folks that have been hoping to see more Perfetti and more Ehlers out at 5-on-5, five five, um, should this maybe get those numbers up a little bit, the addition of Sean Monaghan? I mean, it should get those numbers up. Absolutely. Does it get them up high enough to warrant that listing as the second line that you got on the projected lines list there? I honestly don't know. Like that Nino, Lowry, and Appleton line, I love that you had to shorten Niederreiter because it's so long for the graphic. Like that is Winnipeg's matchup ready line. It's one Rick Bonus is going to go to a lot. And you'd better believe it's doing heavy lifting in the playoffs in any sort of home ice advantage matchup situation. Um, but the thing to consider when you're asking, like, are they going to get more minutes, Perfetti and Ehlers, with Monaghan between them? Consider that Perfetti is playing less this season than last. Like, given his increase in experience, giving, given his increase in offensive ability, the way that the game has slowed down for him, the reason is that Pierre-Luc Dubois is gone, and you don't, you don't have a big centerman down the middle that the coaching staff trusts to sort of insulate the young guy. Monaghan is that. He'll win more of his draws as well. Uh, and certainly give you a more consistent effort each night, even though his top end isn't as high as Dubois is going to be. And I think that that alone is going to have a boost to those guys' minutes. I also think Nemesnikov's role isn't done. There's going to be a shift somewhere down the line where Nemesnikov steps in, plays that left-wing role beside Monaghan and Ehlers when the coaching staff isn't ready to trust the young guy. You know, um, there's, there's so many angles to this deal and what it does to the Jets going forward. It's also interesting about the timing of it. Um, let's back up to earlier this week. Thoughts on the price that Vancouver paid to get Elias Lindholm and how much that might have tied into Shovel Day off realizing that this is the cost we're going to have to pay to get a guy like Monaghan. He's the guy we want and doing it now. Yeah, I mean, head to theathletic.com and read Julian McKenzie and Thomas Drance's amazing behind-the-trade story on Elias Lindholm. I mean, the timeline of that, the acceleration from Sunday throughout the week, the the texts and phone calls from airplanes and vacation spots and all of that, and then compare it to what Winnipeg was up to this week. Compare it to the Declan Chisholm waving, and then no player gets called up. Compare it to the fact that Montreal was optimistic about a first-round pick, but no team was really ready to, to pay that price until Lindholm was off the market. So that trade for me does a lot of things. One, it takes the the grade A, like the star caliber center off the market, and it makes everybody pivot to Montreal, Winnipeg included, as far as I see it. And so whether Winnipeg ever felt it was in on Lindholm or close to Lindholm or what have you, I can't say. But I can say with confidence that that shifted the approach to Monaghan, who, like I say, is a player that Winnipeg has liked for a long time. What it let Montreal do was say, you know what, our own second-round pick that you got in that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, no, that's that's not good enough. No, it's sure it's just a, a ten-pick difference. You're going to have a late first-round pick that you're giving us for this versus an early second-round pick that Montreal second is going to be. But once everybody pivots to Monaghan on a relatively thin center market, 
it increases the price that Montreal can ask for rightfully, and it increases the urgency for Winnipeg to make sure that it gets out in front of it. Because at the end of this, Hus, this is what it is for me. In seasons where Winnipeg has been a legit contender, for me, that's 2018 and 2019 only. The rest is window dressing. Those two years were legitimate contention years. Winnipeg went out and swung. Paul Stastny, Kevin Hayes, those were the centerpieces of those two years. This early acquisition, being willing to pay a first-round pick for it, have a little cap space left over. What the indication is, is that the Jets believe in themselves this year and they're willing to go for it. Well, I think that there is really some value in doing it now as opposed to waiting to the deadline. In that we know how patient Kevin Chevaldeov can be. I mean, he's done it over and over again, waiting and waiting and waiting and then making his move. But with the landscape of this division and the West, to be honest, and I can say the same thing about Vancouver, you know, with the opportunity to potentially finish first in the division, getting the help now as opposed to waiting for a month, I think has some real value as well. Because the bottom line is, we can get into L.A. in a minute, with where that team is, as well as the other teams that are vying for wild cards. I mean, in my opinion, there's a significant gap between Edmonton, Vancouver, Vegas, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, to those teams that are going to be in the wild card spot. So by winning the division, not only do you get home ice and an opponent that should be a better matchup, teams like Colorado and Dallas will beat the hell out of each other for that first round of the playoffs, and then you've got home ice. Like I think this is also the aggressiveness of the timing has to do with what's at stake for the final 35-odd games once play gets going in uh, in uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, that, and you can, you can also sell me on the idea that the longer run at, at forming that fit that Monaghan has with the club, the better Winnipeg's odds of having success and him um, finding chemistry with Ehlers and Perfetti and whoever he ends up playing with there and on the power play. I think there's something to be said about that. And your point about the standings is also true. You know, people might have bristled when I called 2019 a contention year. It was a first-round exit year. Well, part of that was crumbling down the stretch and having to play against the St. Louis Blues in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs on their way to the Cup. Um, you don't want to risk that kind of uh, that kind of misstep, I think, in a season like this. And cementing Winnipeg's roster, giving themselves an option this early um, is is a big thing for me. But I also think that the market has so much to do with it. If I go to the you know the comment section at the Athletic or on Twitter, who do I get asked about? It's players like Boone Jenner, who Columbus is not in a hurry to move their captain. One of the few things that has gone right for them this year, Casey Middlestadt, who Buffalo has spent years watching the development path of. They're not in a hurry to get rid of him. One of the bright spots in a season like this, Adam Henrique, ten team no trade clause. A little bit of a soft spot for the New York area after New Jersey life for so long for him. Like, you go down the list, um, and I think it's vital that Winnipeg gets a player that it feels like can be a fit for them, lest the other players end up either not on the market at all or go to go to other places. This is one of those situations where getting in front of it, I think, was necessary if they were going to make the move at all. Well, and, and another thing when you're comparing him to a couple of those other players, and let's just take out Adam Henrique because he's a guy that we've kicked around quite a bit. There's a big difference in how much they make. Um, Henrique, I believe, is 5'6 or 5'7, like over $5.5 million a year. Monaghan comes in. Montreal's not taking any of the salary, but he's at one9 Give us the impact 
the cap impact of acquiring Monaghan and, you know, considering they've already traded their first round pick, but there still are other assets if they wanted to continue to make moves. What is Kevin Shevelyev still able to do based on the current roster now that Monaghan is in Winnipeg? Well, as of right this minute, the Jets are projected to have roughly $3.3 million of deadline day cap space. So being able to add roughly $3.3 million worth of contracts. And that in and of itself, you know, at first glance is tremendous. It gives the option of um, of quality players. If there are proper expensive players, like a, like I can't remember Chris Tanev's contract off the hop or what have you. If there are players... So if there's contract retention in a trade like that, Winnipeg can afford it. You know that's that's kind of the major the major difference of acquiring a Monahan versus um, versus an Adam Henrique is that there's room to play. Now that three point three million number is going to go down a little bit because Cole Perfetti is likely to hit the about eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of performance bonuses on his entry level contract. So subtract that. There's also going to be some finagling as guys get healthy, as other players possibly get hurt. There could be some finagling as another player is, set, is sent down. So 3.3 isn't an exact number to go running with. But the big difference is it leaves room to play. And if there is a fit, if there is a deal to be had, something that Shevel Dayoff can find that he believes will help this team, they have the cap space to do it. And, of course, the, the budgetary support from ownership. The last thing kind of has on the cap space thing. We don't talk enough. Nobody talks enough about how important it was for the Jets to trade Brian Little's contract a couple seasons back. The fact that Winnipeg is not in long-term injured reserve this season, as they would have been with Little in tow, as they would have had to go into with the various injuries they've had if Little's contract was still around or if they hadn't managed the cap as well as they have wouldn't have allowed any of this to happen. Not Monaghan, and certainly not the thought of even one more move before this is all said and done. No, it is a great point. And, uh, you know, I mean, the uh, <laughs> some, I mean, it is confusing, and sometimes it's complicated. And because of that, that's not something, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about daily. But the NHL GMs do. And every single deal right now, um, is so intertwined with what you were able to add and have on your roster. And, you know, the Calgary-Vancouver trade, it was interesting in one way in that, you know, you got Lindholm was getting a pretty good deal. You're getting a player that scored 39 goals last year, but who also makes $5.5 I mean, the ability to get that money off the cap to allow Lindholm was also a big part of the deal. And I think added into, at least on the surface the very large package that Vancouver had to pony up to get Lindholm there. Yeah, and it's, an, it's a case of, I think Patrick Alvin's done this a couple of times, striking a little bit early, and that may have required a premium. Certainly Kuzmenko's situation is a little bit unique, and there's other kind of things there. But they did, they did offer quality, and there is a lot there to, to earn the services of a player like Lindholm. I've got to be honest, like when I wrote about the trade targets for the Winnipeg Jets, Lindholm was number one with the extreme caveat, and you can find it there saying, I think there's going to be a bidding war for this player. Next up, Sean Monaghan. I think this is the realistic acquisition. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be Vancouver. I really had no no hunch. And it's it's interesting to me how confident that team is in trying to consolidate the start that it's had. You know, 
Canada's cooking this year, and it's it's fun to watch. Like I, I really genuinely enjoy this. Well, and I mean, we've talked a little bit about the potential for some pretty juicy all Canadian matchups in the playoffs. I mean, Edmonton and Vancouver in the Pacific Division, and you know, if the Jets can somehow find their way out of the Central Division, there absolutely is the potential of an all-Canadian conference final, which would guarantee a Canadian team in the NHL. And the happiest people would be in those tall buildings in Toronto that work for Rogers Sportsnet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, numbers, big numbers, big numbers. I just, I want, I, I've said this before, right? Like, we all pretend that we're, I don't know if we all pretend, but, like, there's this idea that we're all perfectly objective robots, and Certainly, I try to do the analysis that way, but I do not shy away from the fact that I want the people who read my stuff to be happy. Like, I wouldn't, I, I couldn't be happier if everybody in this chat, these 1,100 people, these Jets fans tuning in who are excited to see what happens this season, if you get exactly what you want, I will be thrilled. Like, that's joy. Well, that uh, there, there seems to be a lot of it so far. Like, I will, by the way, 1,200 now. Welcome to everybody new. Hit that subscribe button. I've said that a couple times, but it is great to see so many people popping in, hanging out with us today as we do every day live at 1 p.m. for a couple hours, Monday to Friday, here on our YouTube channel. And, of course, you can check out the podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Um, the price. I, I Before the Vancouver trade, I did not think. Like, I thought it was wishful thinking maybe that Montreal would be getting the first rounder. Um, the fact that they did, is it more to do with the scarcity of centers that could fill a role like this? Um, and how much does it have to do with the bar being set by Vancouver with the price that was paid for Elias Lindholm and what was left on the market? I think that Vancouver's price does set like the, the high bar for, for prices I think Lindholm is in a different class of player. So yes and no on that front. But for me, it's about scarcity. And, you know, Sean Monaghan, who I'll say lots of positive things about his, you know, his vision, his playmaking, his power play impact, his face-off impact, all that sort of stuff. But the idea that he is the go-to next up center on everybody's list does imply a relatively thin market at this position, I think. And so... The idea that instead of just a few hours or a few minutes of like, let's say Lindholm's deal was done with half an hour to go until trade deadline on March the 8th. Well, I'm not sure how much of a bidding war there's time to get into in that in that scenario. Maybe teams panic and I'm wrong to think this way. But what I think is that with over a month to go of Sean Monaghan's name as the top trade target, um, that price was going to go up. I think that teams were going to pivot to Monaghan. I think there was going to be competition for his services and that the Jets paid a first-round pick, which is no small price, to be clear. It's not. Um, I think it's a reflection of the market, of scarcity, and of the fact that if you were going to get the guy that you thought fit, um, you would have to pay up now to get in front of all of it. Yeah, well, best-case scenario, it's the 32nd pick, and they have to give a third-rounder in 2027 because that's the conditions that if they win the cup, there's a third-rounder, and that would be... a that would be a pick the Jets would be more than happy to send over to uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, it's going to be interesting. And again, for everyone that's here right now, Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to be speaking live in about 20 minutes or so. So we will uh, attempt to bring that to you live here. So hang out. Hacksaw is going to jump on. We're 
going to get to the NFL notebook for about 10 minutes. But at 2.45, we will endeavor to have the Chevy presser live with the uh, questions from all the assembled Winnipeg media. And I would imagine a number of people that are in Toronto for the All-Star festivities. Uh, Marat, this has been awesome. Hey, just before we go, um, you're in L.A. right now. Quick reaction to uh, Todd McClellan getting the pink slip during the All-Star break after the Kings broke that losing streak going into it against the Preds. Yeah, you know what I think? I mean, from afar, just sort of not geographically, but from afar in that I don't cover the team day to day. I imagine there's a sense of feeling like a, a major shakeup is, is needed to sort of get some of the players in that room to wake up. There's been a lot of news and, you know, I've read Eric Stevens's columns on it. I've read a lot of things about it where players don't feel like they're all necessarily pulling on the same rope. And Drew Doughty called out the effort level. Drew Doughty called out the idea that players were chasing offense. There's a theory that McClellan called out Pierre-Luc Dubois in, in his contributions to the team so far. And I've talked to a couple of people. I'm not sure if the, this is absolutely the truth, but like I... I think the impression is that a lot of the players are going to come out and say, this was our fault. This wasn't McClellan's fault. This is the mess that we created for ourselves. Um, and it's interesting being from a Winnipeg perspective where Pierre-Luc Dubois' ceiling as a player is so impressive. And I honestly don't think he gets enough credit for what his ceiling is, but it's very real that he takes nights off. And I think that it's very real that his performance, you can track it in the analytics, like can take large, large dips from, from certain portions of the season. And that doesn't always that doesn't always go over so well. And I think it's not going over very well in LA right now. It's not the only reason for the firing or anything like that, but it's interesting from a Winnipeg position where the Jets are doing so well and to watch things come apart down there. And probably the players are much better than the performance that they've seen so far this year. I mean, it's just a fascinating scene. I do wonder what this uh, what this does to. I mean, listen, Dubois was already taking a lot of heat, um, but you know when he's the key player that comes in, they've played the way they have for the last month and a half. The coach gets fired. You wonder how much you know, at least just from the fan base, um, is sort of put on the shoulders of one guy, fairly or unfairly, as a guy that didn't buy in or was a bit of a coach killer. Uh, I guess we'll see. It'll be interesting. They've got a lot of work to do just to hold on to that wild card because I think the ship has sailed for the top three with what Edmonton has done, winning 16 straight. Marat, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. Cannot wait to read all of your uh, work in The Athletic on this trade. And uh, we'll get back at it next week as the uh, Jets are on the road for a couple. And uh, we'll be speaking as the Jets get back to home ice a week tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the nice weather down south. Thanks, Sas. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. There's Murata Tesh. So uh, Kevin Day off coming up. We'll have him live in about 15 minutes, so stick with us. It's not Friday without a visit from Hacksaw, though, and uh, we'll get into some of the big news in and around the National Football League as Super Bowl week is about to run. Just got a text from my boy Greg over at Royal Sports, and for you fellow Chiefs fans... Connor, you and the Niner crew, Royal just got in today a shipment of Super Bowl gear for both the Chiefs and the Niners. Super Bowl t-shirts for both teams. I'm looking for that 15 in red or in white. Uh, I know there's Kelsey. 
I believe they've got Christian McCaffrey um, and some of the Niner players, um, as well as some exclusive new uh, Super Bowl hats for both teams. They just came in this morning. They have just been put on the shelves right now. So if you want to grab some uh, Super Bowl gear heading into next week, Royal Sports is the place to do it. There you can see the hats that are there looking pretty darn nice. I think those are actually Pro Bowl hats that the players would have been uh, would have been uh, would have been wearing. Uh, but anyways, brand new lids for both the Chiefs and the Niners. And uh, Reem, if you got that picture of those uh, of those T-shirts, give them a quick uh, throw that one up there. Uh, available over at Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. And of course, you follow them on Instagram as well, Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, some nice new jerseys. If you want to rock a 15 for the big game, they've been waiting on those coming in. Um, and then those uh, exclusive Super Bowl tees for both the Niners and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are in white. The Niners ones are in black. And those are all available right now over at Royal Sports. Uh, hey, if you're thinking about the weekend, actually, I might pop by BP this afternoon for a little happy hour action and check out some of the skills competition. Really looking forward to that. Um, it is going to be uh, a lot different than the uh, lame skills competitions we've had the last few years because the big boys are stepping up, doing a bunch of different uh, competitions, competing for a million bucks. Uh, but whether it's for the skills comp, the all-star festivities on the weekend, or right back at it when the Jets are on the road, no better place to get out to than, of course, uh, Boston Pizza, Ice Cold Schooners, world-famous BP Wings, and gourmet pizzas as well. And, hey, if you're staying at home tonight, you can always get the great taste of BP by ordering in at bostonpizza.com. And just before we bring in Hacksaw, he always tells us it's Beer Friday. Well, if you're going to have a few beers tonight, make it Winnipeg's best local brew. Little Brown Jug, and may I suggest the generic lager, my personal favorite. Uh, it is available not only at the brewery and taproom downtown, but you can grab it at your local beer store for a great deal, $19.99 for the eight-pack of Tall Boys, available right now at local beer stores and at Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, but if you're ripping around with this gorgeous weather, it might just about be patio time at Little Brown Jug. William Avenue, best place to pop in and check out all their cool merchandise, littlebrownjug.ca with local delivery options. All right, Chevy coming up in just over 10, but let's bring in Hacksaw as we get ready for Super Bowl week in Vegas. And Lee, how are you? Another another week, another visit, talking about the Chiefs winning as underdogs on the road. Uh, they did it again, didn't they? I thought you wanted me to talk about Travis and Taylor, because that's what everybody here stateside's talking about. America, it's crazy. America's going crazy about Travis, Kelsey, Taylor, Swift, the TV ratings, et cetera, what she's bringing to the NFL, what she's bringing to the TV networks. It's phenomenal. By the way, there is a game to be played a week from Sunday, but we'll talk about that probably next weekend. This has been a, a spectacular postseason playoff. Uh, the TV ratings have rocked. Uh, we had an all-time high for the AFC Championship game of 55.5 million last Sunday. NFC Championship game then topped that, then went to 56.3 million. At one point at the end of the 49er Detroit game, when you were yelling at the TV as the Lions were giving up a lead, the TV ratings in the states were 60.3 million in the fourth quarter of the game. So now we fast forward to a week from Sunday, 
and we got two great teams with tons of storylines. You know, we might bust 65 to 70 million viewers for Super Bowl Sunday. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Well, you're right. By the way, shout out to Spency. Thanks for the super chat, pal. Hype train. WST can't be stopped. Choo choo. Uh, you're the best, Spency. Um, you know, the uh, I mean, the games were were great, um, but very different games. Um, you know, the Chiefs coming out. I mean, the, the precision and execution of their offense in the first half really set the table. And it has been like two and a half months since their defense gave up more than seven points in the second half of any game. Um, and it really just sort of controlled that game. Baltimore made them some mistakes, very undisciplined, which hurt them. And then you look at the NFC game, which was so different. I mean, a huge first half by Detroit. And then the massive Niner comeback in the third quarter where they were tied like in about nine minutes and major questions for Dan Campbell as to uh, maybe if he finally finally got a little too aggressive or his aggressiveness came back to bite him. What Did the Lions lose that one, Lee, or do you think that the Niners went and won it? Well, you asked the question. You just gave out all my answers. What am I going to do? Hey, here's the, here's here's the, here's my quick reaction. San Francisco, Detroit, big story. 49ers, There's seventy-seven guys on the Forty ers who've been in playoff football. There are only seven in Detroit. Dan Campbell had never been this deep into the playoffs ever as a player or as a coach. And you got Shanahan and everybody with all that experience. This will be a learning curve experience for the Detroit Lions. Campbell will be a better coach next year when they go to the postseason based on what he painfully just learned. But San Francisco's dynamic, and it's a 60-minute game. And I think last Friday on the Notebook segment, we, we talked about the keys to the game. I said San Francisco had to knock Jared Goff around, and they surely did. They, they double-covered uh, Amon St. Brown. Uh, they, they let the tight end catch passes, figuring he's not going to go 58 yards on a touchdown reception. And even though they gave up a lot of yards, they were, you know, they, they had the early lead and it just got away from them. And then obviously momentum just overwhelmed the Detroit Lions. Campbell's gamble. Yeah, I in, in playoff football, which is such a different atmosphere environment, you take every type of point you can get, whether it's three, whether it's six, whether it's seven, whether it's a safety you don't take points off the board. You don't give up points because you just need to build that lead. And what happened was Frisco got back in it, and then they had the bad turnovers, and then there were penalty flags on Detroit, and Goff started to get knocked around, and all the momentum shifted towards the guys wearing red rather than the guys wearing Hawaiian blue. And result, all the expertise and experience of Shanahan and the 49ers did in a young Detroit team. Guarantee you a year from today, if we're talking Lions back in the playoffs, There'll be a better team based on this painful experience. And in terms of Kansas City, Baltimore, uh, you know, I looked at, at, at Baltimore and it was like a flashback to what happened to Dallas the week before and a flashback to what happened to Philadelphia the week prior. I mean, that was not the same football team. And when we did our preview last week, I said, Bagnolo's going to blitz the hell out of Lamar. They got to keep Lamar in the pocket because when Lamar has space, he can create and he's pretty accurate. When Lamar's got people in his face, around him at his feet he gets jumpy he's not the same quarterback here's a here's a stat that'll blow you away Lamar Jackson completed 68 percent of his passes during the regular season and he was dynamic that game he completed 54 percent and with people when he had to stay in the pocket he completed 46 percent of his passes so at the end of the day 
Kansas City and Spagnolo blitzed his brains out. I think, I think the stat I read, they blitzed 68% of the pass plays. Lamar couldn't be Lamar because everything was going on around him. And then Baltimore kept taking penalties. They were so out of character. And you're correct in your assessment about Andy Reid, the king. They came out razor sharp. And I don't understand John Harbaugh staying in that zone as long as he did because Mahomes and Kelsey coming off the line of scrimmage, they saw they saw zone. All Mahomes had to do was wait for Kelsey to drop into an open spot in the zone, pass completion, 11 targets, 11 completions to Kelsey, a ton of them in the first half. So Andy Reid out-schemed, out-coached, out-fought John Harbaugh. And what a knot in the pit of the stomach of the people in Baltimore right now because that was a really good team, but they got taken out by the brilliance of Reed and Spagnola. Lee, uh, we're going to go to Kevin Sheveldayoff live in about five minutes, so I want to get right into the uh, the coaching um, yeah. hires. Um, the last two spots are filled. Dan Quinn got a job, but it's not in Seattle. He's going to Washington. Fill us in on the Seahawks and uh, the commander's choices at their head coach. And what happened to Belichick and Mike Vrabel in all of this? Well, Belichick, I, I had two interviews in Atlanta, had a Zoom call with the Washington owner, and he did not want to give up power. And as much as Arthur Blanks had relationship with Belichick, the Atlanta owner said, I'm not ripping my organization apart. And I think there's an intangible thing there. Everybody knows how bad the drafts Belichick's had in the last four or five years have really been. And everybody know how he's disdained free agency and he begrudges having to give big money to veteran players. I just don't think they want to visit it that way to do business in Atlanta. And Washington had the peripheral Zoom call, but never followed up with a personal interview. Vrabel situation, he's old school, didn't, does not embrace metrics, uh, the an- analytical part of the game, which I think probably worked against him. I thought he got treated really unfairly because they're only halfway up the hill and trying to rebuild this. And they got the quarterback. I was kind of stunned Tennessee did what they did. Seattle changed its mind at the last minute. They went for Mike McDonald. McDonald's got a lot of creative juice defensively. He inherits a defense that really needs to be fixed emotionally. And to get these guys healthy, they're very young defensive side of the football. So McDonald probably over Quinn, and Quinn winds up getting the last job that was open because Ben Johnson walked away in Detroit. I was told Johnson wanted mega money to leave the Lions, and he wanted full player personnel control. Washington had just hired a really good general manager, Adam Peters, from San Francisco, and they were not going to take any of their power away from Peters. So that's that's why Ben Johnson didn't get the job or take the job because they wouldn't give him everything he wanted. And they settle on Quinn. And Quinn's got a pretty reputable track record. Got to hire the right offensive coordinator, but they do have the second pick in the draft. They got an anxious new owner calling this thing a clean piece of paper. And I got 70 million cap space. And out here, they're going crazy with the Chargers hiring of Jim Harbaugh. And they're going crazy because they think they got themselves a really good general manager in Joe Hutiz, who is John Harbaugh's right-hand man and made a lot of quality player decisions with the Ravens. He comes in as their general manager. Now, once the, the snazzy press conference was over yesterday afternoon, this morning at breakfast, they got to solve a lot of problems because the Chargers have monster problems with the salary cap and injuries and guys that they probably can't keep. So Harbaugh's got a lot of work ahead. But anyhow, that's the sum total of what happened and why Belichick and Vrabel are not coaching in the league right now. Hey, speaking of coaching, I mean, I know you're uh, all over the entire sporting landscape, and folks, you can check it all out at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Quick word on Todd McClellan in L.A. getting the axe today from the Los Angeles Kings after a great start and an absolutely miserable run for the last month and a half, two months. 
Well, I think in the big picture, I like McClellan. I thought he brought law and order to Kings hockey three years ago. And I think the other piece of reality is Rob Blake can't fire the roster. They've got so many guys making $8 million a year who are not playing really well. I don't understand the psyche of Pierre-Luc Dubois. That guy's got so much talent. I don't see it on a day-by-day, night-by-night basis. He should be one of the best power forwards ever cross passes with John yeah. McClare. Remember him with the Flyers? That's what Dubois should be, and I don't see it. Yeah. Same thing with Kevin Fiala. And they got they got a hole in goaltending. So they got all kinds of problems. And now they got salary cap problems on top of it. And, you know, killing McClellan's career doesn't solve what's going on in that roster that needs to be fixed. And we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's got to be with the Ducks, and I think there's going to be some more trades coming as their their rebuild has to Should has be. To hey, hey, Lee, listen, we got to run. Chevy's starting right now. We'll look forward for another raid to your show on YouTube on Monday afternoon. Have a great weekend. There it is, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with the NFL Notebook. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, sounds like Kevin Sheveldayoff is speaking right now on the trade today. Sean Monahan. <laughs> Uh, acquired from the Montreal Canadiens by the Winnipeg Jets. Remo, are we going to go straight to that right now? Right now, go. Okay. Various general managers over you know periods of time when you know you you kind of try to get the lay of the land as as you know as much as you can, and um, obviously uh, you know I think that the, the urgency or the timing of things was accelerated uh, to a certain extent. Um, you know, by the activity over uh, the start of the break here, and uh, fortunately for us. Uh, we had some conversations uh, early yesterday morning, and and uh, you know culminated uh, very, very late last night with uh, you know uh, pretty much an agreement, and you know ha- had to uh, you know get the uh, medical files looked at and and the like, you know. So that's what kind of took some time this morning as well. Yeah, and just as my follow up, I mean, what is what is it that that Sean brings to the team? What kind of holes does he plug? Uh, for you guys, obviously, he, you know, he's the second line center, power play, faceoffs. But maybe in your words, you know, what, what what does he bring to the team? Well, you know, I think when we we set out to to, to look for something, we first and foremost wanted to feel like it was a fit with, uh, you know, how we're, you know, how we want to play, um, you know, who we are, you know, from a character standpoint. Uh, you know, he he checks those boxes, you know, very very well. He's a you know a mature professional player that, um, you know, has uh, you know learned his craft and 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 you know become a top player um, over the course of time, um, you know, in the National Hockey League. And yet, you know, he's still 29 years old. He's he's someone that uh, brings a, a lot of different, you know, like you said, a lot of different skills to the table. Um, you know, faceoffs uh, for sure. You know, one of them. Um, you know, can be moved around different spots on the power play. Has you know played penalty kill as well. Um, you know, again, it it just it, it goes to the kind of the theme of, of where we're at this year with respect to our depth and, and dimension. Um, and this, you know, just just adds to it. It's it's a, a player that the coaches can, you know, um, use in, in a lot of different ways. And uh, and I really think, you know, again, um, one thing that that you can really 
you know, t- tell about a player, like a lot of players get injured and um, over the course of their careers, but it's how they come back from it. And so that, you know, that's a testament to, you know, to, to his hard work uh, and, and what he has done to prepare himself, um, you know, to, to continue to be an elite level pro. We'll go next to Kelly Moore from 680 CGOB. Go ahead, Kelly. Hi, Kevin. Uh, hopefully I haven't forgotten how to use Zoom and, and you can hear me okay. Good. You know, Rick mentioned to some media people in Toronto earlier today that initially Sean's going to uh, start between Cole and Nikolai. How do you see that line? Uh, uh, and was that one of your visions when you were talking about this deal? Well, you know, again, I think coaches, uh, uh, you know, obviously have to have a mindset of where guys are going to start. And, and then, you know, you kind of see, you know, how things evolve. And, and uh, you know, one thing, you know, you know, that is true is that, um, you know, things can change and coaches change all the time. So, um, you know, I, I think Sean's a player that uh, can complement a lot of different players, um, you know, and, and, and help, um, you know, th- them grow their game. One of the things that, you know, was really impressive about him uh, when I was talking to the coaches and, you know, the coaches were doing their due diligence and watching, uh, you know, some extra film on him um, was, was how he interacted with the young players. And, you know, you watched him in, in Montreal and how, you know, he, he'd come back to the bench and he'd be talking to Cole Caulfield or he'd be talking to Slavkovsky. And, you know, you just, you would see that kind of mentorship that uh you know that that he had uh you know leadership quiet leadership on the bench um and and that's that's exactly what you want in a pro so um you know i, I think he's gonna you know help us in, in a lot of different areas and uh like uh you know like bone said he'll start somewhere but you know there'll be lots of different options you know and in your most recent uh uh trades uh, you know, whether it was for Nito Niederreiter or, or Vlad Nemesnikov, there was a fit that worked beyond uh, that season. Is is it too early for that, Kevin, or is that something that also factored into this besides the need? Well, you know, obviously, uh, you know, again, it, it's very early, you know, from that standpoint. We've got, uh, you know, our, our sole focus is on the here and now. And, and um, you know, that's that's the most important thing is, is getting Sean in, getting him settled, getting his uh, his wife in, getting her settled. Um, you know, he, he's part of our family and, and he's going to, you know, he's going to feel that uh, very quickly here. So, um, you know, we're, we're just excited that, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to come out of the break. Um, you know, with, uh, you know, with him in our lineup and, and uh, a lot of hockey ahead of us. Well, next time, uh, Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks, Gregor. Hello, Kevin. Um, okay. To see trades happening, uh, I believe the trade deadline's five weeks from today. Obviously, there's an added benefit. I think you guys have 15 games, uh, if you include that game against the Kraken on the trade deadline. Um, how much does that factor in, I guess, when you're looking at cost uh, that you're going to get a guy, you know, for potentially 15 extra games than you would have if you made this deal on March the 8th? Yeah, well, sometimes when you're doing things like this, you know, you have to, you know, you just you don't know what the timeline is of the other team. And then that's uh, that, that's always kind of the. Uh, you know, the, uh, the tricky part, you know, is, is, um, everyone's going to have a different timeline. Everyone's going to have a different pressure point. Um, fortunately for us, uh, you know, we were able to, um, you know, make a deal happen. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you give up a good asset, but you have to do that in this league to get, uh, you know, a good player. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm just, I guess I'm happy that, uh, we, we do have him, uh, you know, in the lineup, uh, you know, sooner than, uh, you know, than the deadline, because it is such a good fit and, uh, you know, it, it's not going to feel like uh, a new player, uh, you know, just coming into your lineup, uh, you know, down the stretch, so to speak. 
And then you touched upon injuries. And I, I wonder how much with Mark Shifley missing those last six games before the break, and obviously that took a, a, a hit to your center depth, how much did seeing what your team looked like with Mark out of the lineup, did, did that allow you to maybe really hone in on the need here for uh, another centerman in the mix? Well, first and foremost, you can't replace Mark Shifley. Like he obviously, uh, you know, is a driver on our team and and uh, one of the leaders of our group. So, you know, that you're going to feel that over a period of time. And, and uh, you know, certainly, uh, again, he, he brings a lot, you know, to the table for us. But, um, you know, again, you can't, uh, you can't underestimate the job that, you know, guys like Vladdy, you know, have done. Um, you know, with this group, because I think, you know, again, the most important thing is, you know, when you're making a trade, it has to fit. And that's how you know, you're going to hear me say that over and over again. You heard me say that before, um, you know, and, and we believe this is a good fit. And, um, you know, if if there wasn't a fit out there, then there wasn't going to be a trade. We were just fortunate that, um, you know, timing and, and opportunity uh, uh, intertwined and, and uh, we were able to make it happen. We're next to John Liu from TSN. Go ahead, John. Hi, Kevin. I'm just wondering uh, how much did uh, your club's uh, performance in the face-off circle have to do with your uh, targeting of uh, Sean Monahan? Sorry if I missed that at the outset. No, no. Well, you know, again, I think face-offs are uh... – you don't want to call them a specialty item, but they're in a very, very important part of the game. Um, you know, and, and it's uh, if you, you know, if you you lack, um, you know, some uh, uh, prowess there, then you're always looking for it. Um, but again, the key, he, you know, goes back to him being a, a real professional and and one of the strengths, uh, you know, that, that he does have is face off. So um, that's going to be, uh, you know, certainly an added benefit and, and um, uh, you know, just adds to how, you know, he does fit, you know, into an organization. But, you know, again, we, and I think it'll help the other guys as well, because, um, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes in games, if faceoffs are going the wrong direction, all it takes is maybe one guy to to, to tip it the other way. And, and I think it helps out the other guys as well. Was a potential contract extension um, any part of your conversations with uh with the Monahan campers is something that you would leave until the end of the season. Yeah, it, it, it all just you know unfolded here to, today, so I haven't really had any conversations uh, or anything like that. But um, you know, again, it, it does go back, and I talked to his, you know to his agent, and I talked to Sean here today as well. Um, you know, and I expressed how you know how. how it was nice to see, you know, how well he rehabbed and came back from, um, you know, from the situation, you know, that he did, and it said a lot about him and his character. Go next to Arpan Dasu from the Athletic. Go ahead, Arpan. Uh, hey, Kevin. Um, just uh, wondering if you could speak to the process of determining the value of your first round pick. I know it's difficult, maybe in a vacuum or a void, to to really determine what the market is going to bear. Um, what was that process like for you in terms of making the decision to part with the first? Well, it's never an easy decision. Um, you know, again, I think you, when you're in situations like this and I've been on both sides of them, you know, you grind away to not have to trade it and you grind away to make sure that, you know, you make the other team give it up, you know, and, it's um, it can be a game of chicken, you know, I think that, um, you know, you, you, but you also have to, 
you have to weigh the, you know, weigh the alternatives and weigh the options and, and, you know, weigh the fit, you know, and, and I, when, when the fit is great, um, you know, when, you know, you, you believe that, you know, this is the best option for you, um, you have to make those tough calls and, and, um, you know, but that's, that's what this time of the year, um, you know, is about. And, and, you know, it, it's exciting. It's nervous. It's, uh, you know, it's agonizing. It's, it's all those kind of things, you know, rolled up uh, in one. Um, but you know, it's, you know, when you're adding to your group, it's, um, you know, you're hopeful that it's a, a real positive step, uh, for, for all of them moving forward. So, so just when you said earlier that if there wasn't a fit, there wouldn't be a trade. It, and I take that to mean that if in a certain way it was Sean Monaghan or, or, or nothing in terms of the center position. Well, um, you know, again, I, I, I'm not going to guess divulge our list and that, but you know, it, it, um, you know, would I be, would I have been as open to moving, you know, uh, uh, as high of a pick as I did, if it wasn't, you know, that that's probably a, a, a much more likely scenario that, you know, we wouldn't have gone, you know, that deep in a, in a pick for this situation. We'll go next to uh, Nick Wells from the Canadian press. Go ahead, Nick. Hey, thanks for taking my question. Um, Ken Hughes was asked about this earlier. I'm curious if um, if Sean's injury history raises kind of any concerns for you guys um, when it comes to his playing time or when it comes to his durability. Well, you know, I, I think, like I said, uh, players get injured, and that's you know that's the the nature of this game. But it's it's how they come back and how they rehab, <clears throat> and um, and you're always taking a risk in this game. You know whether it's a, a player that is past injured or whether it's a player that, you know, plays as hard and goes into the corners and, you know, crashes and goes to the net as well. So you take it in, um, you ask as many questions as you can, you get as much knowledge as you can, and then you, uh, you weigh the risk reward and, and you go, you know, if you choose to go for it, you go for it. Great. Thank you. <clears throat> well, next time Murat Atesh from the athletic, go ahead Murat. Thanks, Gregor. Uh, hi, Kevin. Hi. Um, looking kind of at how Rick Bonus has sort of deployed the lines this year, you guys have obviously the, a Shifley-led top line, lots of quality. Adam Lowry gets a lot of those defensive minutes. So it seemed like this this hole that, that Sean Monaghan is stepping into is, is a great fit, and you've talked about that. Um, how much conversation was there with Rick, and what was that like about, okay, what's – going to be that fit what are those qualities that uh, that are going to make our shortlist for players like Sean Monahan well first and for, first and foremost you know character has to be there it, it has to fit in you know in our room it has to fit um you know in in, in that thing so we you know, we did a tremendous amount of due diligence um you know behind the scenes on on Sean and everything just you know came up going uh, you know in, in in those regards so that's an important thing um, you know, and again, the, the, the individual qualities uh, that we talked about, obviously help, you know, the face-offs, you know, that helps, uh, he's got good size. Um, you know, he's a smart player. Uh, he's, you know, he can play two ways, you know, he's responsible, all those kind of things, but <laughs> he's a true center, you know, he, he's someone that can, you know, help elevate, uh, different players. And, and also going back to, you know, what I had said, like watching how he interacted with, uh, some of the young players on the Canadians was a real important thing for us as well. Just a, I guess, uh, a timeline question too. You guys had waived Declan Chisholm earlier in the week, and uh, to to hear Craig Conroy put it, I think the Lindholm thing heated up Sunday, Sunday Monday sort of thing. 
was there sort of a sense that a lot of this was related or that things were heating up and, and space needed to be made at that point? Yeah, there's a lot of intertwining things that, uh, you know, that that kind of happened over the course of this week. Um, you know, obviously, uh, cap space is something that, uh, you know, uh, depending on which, you know, which directions you go with some things, you, you know, you might need. Uh, in, in Declan's case there, unfortunately, you know, we only could get him into two games. Um, you know, and, and he was a player that, uh, you know, that desperately needed to, uh, you know, to get playing. So, um, you know, we, we, we obviously didn't want to lose him, but we also know that we've got a, a healthy Villy Hainola now coming and, and, you know, sometimes you have to make these tough decisions. We'll just go with a couple more, uh, John Lou from TSN. Go ahead again, John. Yeah, Kevin, just to piggyback on that thought about Declan, um, um, what what was it about, I guess, your existing uh, roster players that, uh, that sort of made him, I don't know if expandable is the right word, but the player that uh, would be decide, you would decide to expose in, in waivers? Um, you know, I guess consistency, you know, we, we've, we've been fortunate in that regard. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, we've got, uh, you know, Billy's healthy now, which, you know, for the first 40 games, he wasn't, um, you know, so you, you look at your organization, uh, carrying eight defensemen is not optimal. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, I guess, cap management, roster management, and, you know, knowing, knowing, uh, you know, you know, that there's a potential coming, you know, uh, out of the break here, or that, you know, you've got guys getting healthy and, and you just knew rosters were going to be a, an issue. So um, it's, you know, it's that time of the year for, for players that, um, you know, uh, like that. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, we wish them all the best. And we'll go to uh, Mike McIntyre from the free press again. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, thanks again. Uh, Kevin, you've talked in the past at previous trade deadlines about, you know, the message that you want to send to the team, a reward, if you will, given where you guys are right now um, and and no doubt what you'd like to accomplish here. I mean, what, what do you see the message of, because parting with a first rounder, as you touched upon, is is not an easy decision. What is the message, I guess, to your group by making a move like this and and maybe other moves that are still to come? Well, the message is that we got a lot of work ahead of us here, you know, this, uh, and, and, and we've got another worker to, to join the group. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have to continue to play the right way for us to be successful. And, and we believe that, you know, Sean can be, uh, you know, someone that can come in and complement that and, and play and, and, and again, give, you know, give different options. But, um, you know, the, the message is, is the work is just beginning and it's only going to get harder. And, you know, so, um, we, we added a, we added another worker to, um, you know, to the group. And final question, we'll go back to Kelly Moore. Go ahead, Kelly. Kevin, uh, you just mentioned Billy Hanela is now close to, and ready to go. Uh, you've got Kyle Capobianco named an all-star today for, in the American League. You've had Logan Stanley sitting and waiting. Is that enough depth on the blue line or between now and March 8th? Is that something that you'll still kind of poke around the tires at? Well, you know, I think the, the good thing that we have right now is is we have time between now and the deadline to continue to assess and to continue to look at and and to continue to evaluate. Um, you know, this uh, like I say, the the work uh, the work on the ice is uh, you know is only going to get harder, and, and the work off the ice is not going to stop. You know, so um, you know, again, it's uh, it's an exciting time, I think, for you know for for the guys for the franchise. Um, you know, and, um, you know, we're, we're just looking forward to, to getting started here uh, in the second half or lack of better term, second half after the all-star break here. Hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, 
Marble registration is open. If you don't know what we're doing, don't worry about it. Just put in exclamation mark marbles in the chat, and uh, we're going to have some fun to finish up this program. But uh, just great to see the massive turnout today and uh, the excitement. Nothing gets people out like a trade, huh, Reem? Yeah, wow. You know, I think we've just been growing steadily. We're approaching our three-year anniversary. We had recently hit 10,000 subscribers. And this past January on YouTube was our most viewed month ever. And I think this is just a, you know, a slow trajectory of us growing and growing. And you know, when big news hits, more and more people know that this is the place to be. And I think we've been blessed with some fortunate timing that it was uh, right <laughs> before the show. And also that Kevin Chevaldayoff... Um, held his press conference during Marble's entry, which has become appointment viewing. So this is a, a real perfect storm. So we would just like to take this time to thank the Jets for uh, doing it today and not on like a uh, long weekend Monday or a long weekend Canada Day, like he's been in the past <laughs> with some big moves. Yeah, the timing today was perfect for the trade. And a special shout out to, I don't know whether it was Brownie or Gregor uh, or just Chevy's schedule that worked out. But 2.45, after we've been talking about it the whole time, when we're getting ready for Marbles, was literally the perfect time to have Chevy go live. So, uh, again, hit that subscribe button. And I'm looking right now. We are approaching. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up. We are going to uh, – we're approaching 700, which would be another all-time record for Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, it's literally the easiest thing. Just hit that thumbs up. Very, very easy. Uh, to do and uh, certainly helps us spread the channel and again a big welcome to everybody new hopefully you can join us on a daily basis if you're with us live on YouTube but if you subscribe to the channel the fresh latest Winnipeg Sports Talk content will be there for you whenever you fire up YouTube and again available on all your favorite podcast platforms just search Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, for uh, and uh, and give us a sub so, Remo, there's probably a bunch of new people that haven't seen the marble race before. I think maybe we go to a classic. Maybe Slippery Slopes today. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, you know what, it's a classic. I haven't, I've been pretty busy here, too. I haven't had time to survey a lot of the new tracks. It was just, uh, I thought it was a regular morning on a Friday during the All-Star break when I couldn't, you know, when you had a lot of time. <laughs> no. There wasn't, I was like, oh, there's not much going on this morning. I mean, you know, we just had the game, and we'd figure out what to talk about. Had, took it a little slow. Went to Costco, got that in. But uh, it's been—I think I like was mid cereal, as I said, raisin bran with banana, and uh, I just had to drop everything, like drop everything, and just get to the computer and make sure uh, we were ready for this one. Well, you filled me in, and uh, then we uh, helped to fill everybody else in. Great stuff with Murata Tesh joining us today. And listen, if you did pop by later, Jets fans. Uh, make sure to get back earlier in the program. Got a chance to visit with uh, the man himself, Dennis Bayak. And as everyone said, we went from Bayak to Marat today, which was a true bang, bang, to quote the great Dennis Bayak. So it's been awesome. But uh, we've, uh, we'll wrap up a uh, last call for marbles. Um, if you haven't already or you just popped in, you're just getting in under the wire. I would say, Remo, this has the potential to be the biggest marble race ever, as well as the biggest show of all time. Yeah, definitely up there with the biggest show. The biggest live shows we had were the day after the Shifley Evans hit. It's amazing the Montreal Winnipeg connections that are yeah. that are here. Habs uh, are good for business here on this show. Yeah, the day that was the rumored Pierre Luc Dubois to the Habs after his agent was at the draft and all that happened. And yeah, the Pierre Luc Dubois trade. So we're actually big fans here of Pierre Luc Dubois as 
much of our biggest content has been talking about him but uh, this will always be appreciative we'll always be the two years of dubois drama but this is uh legitimate jets news a trade uh very exciting uh very exciting and as far as a marble race yeah we got um exclamation mark marbles in the chat if you haven't 297 99 entries right now uh they're coming in hot Huss. and you know we haven't even got to a lot of the topics from the all-star like this is the only thing that could have knocked us talking about Michael Bublé on mushrooms at the All Star uh, Fantasy Draft, and I was ready. See, that was I was ready for at least the first thirty minutes on that, and uh, Hellbeck going early, Kyle Connor selected to Team Hughes, you know, but uh, trade. So, uh, well, and and you know what, Monday, Tuesday, we'll really dive in. Uh, it obviously we'll have the latest on the Jets. They're practicing on Sunday. But we will spend a little bit more time breaking down everything about the news today of best on best, Four Nations Cup next year, Mm -hmm. Sweden, Finland, Canada, and the United States, and then full NHL participation in the 2026 and the 2030 Olympic Games. And one other thing that's just come out, I mean, they've had Gary Bettman has been doing a press conference, and I know Marty Walsh of the NHLP as well, and we're trying to follow all this news, but... uh, Shout out to Greg Wyshynski and Chris Johnson tweeting out some of these Marty Walsh quotes. Huss, sounds like the NHLPA uh, not impressed with the Coyotes, and we're all over that here. And Greg Wyshynski tweeted out 51 minutes ago of ESPN, just listen to NHLPA director Marty Walsh just absolutely murder the Coyotes for five minutes. Holy shit. And that's his. <laughs> and I DM you, Chris Johnston said... Marty Walsh says the Coyotes have missed two deadlines already to move forward with an arena project. How long do you wait to get a home? They're playing in a college arena, and they're the second tenant in that arena. That is not the way to run a business. Seemed like Marty Walsh, who's been at the job for a very short time, has you know, come pretty quickly learning what's going on. And uh, I know he says, also added on, he's extremely disappointed with the Coyotes. Says senior members of that organization won't even speak the NHLPA, about the conditions for the players. This is something we'll monitor, and we touched on it earlier this week about Salt Lake uh, being possible. Yeah. I mean, listen, when, they, when, they, when Salt Lake put out, I mean, that very poorly timed press release, probably at the best of the NHL, when the uh, announcement about the, uh, the arrest of the 2018 junior players were coming out, or the charges, um, you know, I said the key thing in that press release was the fact that Salt Lake made it very clear, the Smith group, that they are ready to take a team right now. I didn't think for a second this is about potential expansion. This is about the Coyotes. And, you know, when uh, maybe I'll ask the fellas at CoolBet if we can get a lineup right now because I will bet right now that the Coyotes play in Salt Lake in Game 1 of the National Hockey League season for 2024-25. I think the writing is on the wall. They're done. The PA, who's partners in all of this, obviously hot about it. Um, This is just a little bit more public way of moving a team as opposed to the more stealth way that the Thrashers became the Winnipeg Jets back in 2011. All right, Remo, why don't you get the marbles ready to go? And meanwhile, you know, we don't have a lot to talk about with the cool bet lines uh, today because, of course, the NHL is dark. However, the skills competition goes tonight. I believe it starts at 5 o'clock our time. Um, and, and this is going to be awesome. 
I, I am legit excited for this. Um, I probably won't even watch the three-on-three three tomorrow, but I'm definitely in for this. Here's your lineup for the skills competition tonight. And again, six rounds. Each player is going to be in four different competitions. They'll get points. The top eight will move on to a uh, breakaway contest, a one-on-one -on -one competition with the goaltenders. And then the final six move on to uh, the final final round, which is an obstacle course, um, you know, involving a bunch of things. And the winner will be crowned. A million bucks for the winner. The uh, the lineup goes like this, and I'll just give you the odds right now at CoolBet. We went through them on the lock shop. We've actually moved a couple lines already. Uh, Connor McDavid, the favorite to win the skills competition. He was plus 600. He's now plus 575. Kucherov and Makar are 8-1. to one. Pasta and McKinnon, 9-1. to one. Austin Matthews, Leon Dreisaitl, Elias Pedersen, Matt Barzell, Quinn Hughes, all 10-1. to one. JT Miller and William Nylander are 11-1. to one. A couple picks and a couple bets that I made already. Uh, I love the Connor McDavid bet in the stick-handling competition winner. It is a uh, an event that I believe is time. They have to go through a bunch of obstacles while stick-handling, and it, it does involve speed. No one, no one operates at high speed better than Connor McDavid. That was plus 500. It's now plus 450. Nate McKinnon, the second uh, the second spot there at plus 650. McDavid's the favorite and the fastest skater at plus 110. Barzal plus 225. Makar, 4-1. to one. I think there might be some value in Makar at 4-1 to one if you want to go a little bit more off the board with the long shot. Quinn Hughes and Nylander at 800 and 850. And uh, the other one that sort of stood out, which was quite interesting, is the hardest shot. And Elias Patterson is a Big, big favorite at plus 115. JT Miller, 4-1. to one, Makar, 5-1. to one, Austin Matthews, plus 550. And David Pasternak at plus 600. So it's all there for you uh, at CoolBet. Just click on NHL and then NHL All-Star Weekend. Uh, and, of course, all the NHL futures are up as well. Jets right now sitting at 15-1 to one to win the Cup. And plus 700 to win the Western Conference. If you haven't played a cool bet before, you can use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. All right, Remo, it is Marbles time. It has been a wild show. We've still got over 1,000 people in chat. Hit that thumbs up button, by the way. Thank you. We're already over 700. Another record for us today. But... Uh, There'll probably be some new people that have never heard Tristan Rivers' music and the theme song that gets us ready for Marble. So without further ado, let's get the Marble Party going. Here's Tristan Rivers' music on WST. Let's do this. It's Friday. Another week of work's gone.
the uh, the one and only Tristan Rivers music with. I believe that was the Backstreet Boys kind of slash Bon Jovi version. We've got many versions of it. Join us Fridays. You'll hear them all. Uh, hey, thanks to Ron Poclitar. Thanks, Ron. Nice little super chat in and says, go Jets, go. A lot of people fired up with the uh, with the, the big trade today. Certainly, it's bringing them out for the program. Um, all right, Reem, I think we need to add a couple marbles um, for today's race. Yeah, this is a record race, if we hadn't mentioned. Uh, I think Stormy's saying in chat the record is 320 or is 300. We got over 300 now. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so let's add Sean Monaghan into the race. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's give Chevy a marble, too. Everyone, you know, these people, oh, what are you doing, Chevy? Well, you made a trade today. Everyone seems to be... There. For the most part, quite pleased. There were people yesterday in the comments after the Lendholm trade saying, oh, Chevy's already lost the deadline. Do something, Chevy. <laughs> lost the deadline on February 1st. Well, uh, listen, well, they got what they wanted. Um, and listen, if you're going to make this deal better now than uh, in a month, I think this is going to help the team uh, right out of the gate. Well, hopefully when uh, they get going in Pittsburgh coming up on Tuesday night. So Monaghan gets one. Chevy gets one. Let's give one to Dennis Bayak for popping on the program. Got to give one to Dennis. And I see a lot of people mentioning the passing of Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed himself. Um, we can give a memorial marble to Carl Weathers and then uh, and then get things fired up. Yeah, I also threw in Chris Strebler. It was a big week for Bomber oh, News Strebler, as well. Oh, of course. Strebler returning. And we barely even mentioned today the Bomber's announcing uh, Jake Thomas at Fat Boy Jake. Fat Boy on, Thomas! On Twitter coming Coming back, what a what a handle! And yesterday we caught caught up and they uh, caught up in all the Stravler talk. They did re-sign defensive backs Nick and Noah Hallett. So the Bombers offseason, that big tampering period uh, starts was Sunday. So Monday we'll have a lot with Jeff and yeah, they'll, yeah. Ha Jeff Hamilton be with us on Monday, and there'll be plenty of CFL talk. Obviously, we'll hear from the Winnipeg Jets as the team hits the road to Pittsburgh. Evan Hunter. Thank you very much for the super chat, Ev. So happy Chevy made a move sooner than later. This year feels good. Go Jets, go! You know, um, all right. Let's, I'll uh, say this one thing about that, Huss. Sorry, I know I'm kind of delaying the marbles here, but he's like, they play 15 games in Mar in February. Is that? But now in the deadline, like that's crazy. So yeah, make a move now before you know the. Why wait? When you know you so need if it can help you win a couple more games, um, mm -hmm. those points are gonna be very, very important. And I think Marat made a great point that you know, that extra month to play together and get to know your teammates and line mates can only be a positive. Um, by the way, put put a Huss and Remus one in. If we're having a sure. record breaking race, we need to be in there too. Sure. I'll add Connor in as well. Cause uh, yes, he, definitely cause Connor. I was really worried because Jets Weekly comes out Monday morning and you know, they're off this week. And I was like Brushing my teeth before bed, and I was like, "Man, what's Connor going to be talking about in Jets Weekly that's recorded Sunday and comes out Monday on our podcast feed and uh, and YouTube?" And thankfully, the Jets delivered us a whopper of a topic. So I'm sure he'll be breaking it down uh, from all angles. And yeah, check that out on our on our YouTube channel and podcast. Yeah, great point. Monday morning, uh, there'll be a new edition uh, focusing in, I'm sure, on this big deal and looking ahead to mm -hmm. next week as the Jets head out east for a couple games and then come back home, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. And the debut of Sean Monaghan, Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. Go to winnipegjets.com slash tickets for your tickets. Oh, and by the way, 
I've got good news for you wrestling fans. Next week, we're going to get back into some giveaways for the AEW event that's coming up on April, uh, up in April. I just got the uh, message that uh, our uh, ticks are coming in, so we're going to do some promos for AEW, hopefully get a couple of the, uh, the fellas on the program as well. Uh, you can get tickets right now at Ticketmaster for the event. What is it, the 8th of April, I think, Remus, or April 10th? Yeah, I don't actually don't even know it's a Wednesday. Um, and I did see, like, videos of Rob Van Dam in an AEW ring pulling off some sick moves like it was 20 years ago. April 10 yeah, is the April date. Yeah, April 10th, that's right. And I don't know. I, I'm pray, I cross my fingers that RVD is going to be here for that. And speaking of AEW, I know um, – what does he go by? The rated R superstar now, Adam Copeland. I saw yes. he was he was rocking a Leafs jersey at All Star Weekend. Yeah, Edge is uh, the no, artist formerly known Edge. as Edge. Yeah, he's it's not just Edge. his name now, Adam Copeland. It's so just... uh, we'll do that. So, anyways, wrestling fans, stay tuned to WST uh, for chances to uh, join us at AEW. All right, let's get this marble race going. Okay, let me get it going. I got it in. And one thing we also we discussed: um, the Jets have it on their website. Sean Manahan rocking 23, and I asked you, can you name some former 23s for the Winnipeg Jets? I could only think of one. Uh, Shout out to Dave Manouk, did the research for me of Illegal Curve. Yeah, uh, of course, Pony, uh, year number one, Pony Karofsky was one. Um, There was two others, one that I actually got right off the bat. Trevor Lewis was the one I got. Yeah. Yeah. you said Par Lindholm, but it was actually Carl. He was 22. It was Carl Dahlstrom. <laughs> um, and there was one other one. Oh, Mikey Esamont. Yeah, Mike, that was when you got. You got Esamont. That was our off. People want to know what happens off air. We play Jets trivia. Yes. With each other. And as, and as Bravo Bryce said, Lucien Devlois, great call from back in the day. Bill Lasuk, too. I was not sure about that one, but uh, oh. yes, uh, Mikey Esamont. Cruiser gives a shout out to Jay Harrison with B23 as well. Another deadline acquisition. Did Dave forget him? Maybe he did. I wouldn't be. Well, hey, by the way, speaking of Dave, uh, just before we do marbles, on behalf of myself, Michael Connor, and everyone here at WST, a huge congratulations to Illegal Curve. Tomorrow, the boys celebrate their 15th anniversary. Starting it back on the old radio station at Red River College, moving through the 1290 days, now to their spot doing uh, you know the the uh, weekly illegal curve hockey show tomorrow morning 9 a.m. and great post game work in this space right after every Winnipeg Jet game. So uh, boys, here's to 15 more great years. Congratulations, and uh, everyone should check out that show tomorrow. It should be really fun. All right, Reem, let's do it. We've got it still got almost a thousand people here. Let's show them what we do here on Friday afternoon. Yeah, this is uh, real exciting stuff as we get to the marble race. Here it is. Slippery slopes. I had to make sure I loaded it in because uh, I just had last week's names in there and almost hit hit go. Okay, we don't want good. that. We don't want so that. we've got this. The biggest marble race ever, the biggest show ever. Not necessarily the biggest trade ever, but one that hopefully will help the Jets to their biggest achievements ever. And uh, we all just hope that in the third round in 2027, the Winnipeg Jets pick is used by the Montreal Canadiens. That, of course, is the conditional (laughs) pick if the Jets win the Cup. All right, gang. The winner 
will get a WST hoodie and exclusive. It's our version of the Masters Green Jacket. You can only get it by winning the marble race. Everyone is in. Special good luck to everyone doing it for the first time. Great to have you all with us. Uh, may the best and fastest marble win. We're going to one of the all-time great tracks, Slippery Slopes. Let's drop the marbles on a wild Friday here on WST. Here we go. Tony Pop, IC and WST. Name a better combo in sports. Impossible. Appreciate that, Tony. And again, shout out to the fellas for the big day. All right. Who do we got here? K9 in uh, in front. Wrench Doozer, Rob Pepper. I see Merle Peters in the mix, but still a big, big clump of marbles. K is going to the uh, left. Wrench Doozer on the right. And now we get into the very, very slippery run going into another funnel here in the slippery slopes. If you recall this one, there's the skis that go back and forth. So getting in early is important. Oh, we've just had Jay Miller get thrown over the top rope. We've had a couple of eliminations. Logham just got popped. Look at running men. With a bit of a uh, a bit of a lead here, it seems right now, but this is where things get very interesting. Once you get down this slope, you will begin to see the marbles jam up on the skis, <laughs> which is always sort of my funnest, uh, my uh, my favorite part of uh, of all of this. Uh, but Running Man definitely with a little bit of a uh, lead. There's Jet Oil Tom; he's looking pretty good. EK Posties in the mix, but Running Man is the first one in. Now, this is the thing. Sometimes being first one in, not always, not always the best thing, depending on how many people come behind you and get jammed up. Um, so there's Ray Ray, Running Man, and now the marbles are coming. Oh, Strange Bangs. Trevor just got whacked for the coach. Oh, man. Bloodbath. Just because there's too, there's not enough room for all the marbles. Wow, a bloodletting, a ton of marbles getting banged off of the uh, off of the track right now. Who will survive? Who will be there at the end? Only time. Is, only time will tell. Is that because they're trying to land on the same ski and you can't land on top of another marble? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah exactly. It got there wasn't enough room anymore. So all those ones came out. All right. Well, we've got our contenders in, and this is a huge, huge group. This is literally anybody's race right now. I see Eric Jorlson's uh, right in there. Jet Oil Tom's in the lead. Then Eric, Mikey Nine right now. We're in Moon. Okay, here we go. It's all coming up down to this. This could be one of the closest races in WST history. Who's going to get it first? It looks like Jet Oil Tom has the lead. Will he make it in? successfully yes he does jet oil tom nicely done jet oil nice to see even in our biggest races a loyal weekly marbles contestant gets the w one of our favorites and one of our great supporters here for a long long time uh all right here is the uh Here's our, here's our top 10, and I know some of you make side bets on this. We will run down, and everyone can find out where they went if they did finish. 
But our top 10 for today, Jet Oil Tom, two is Warren Monroe, Colin Ritchie in at third, Disgruntled Wheat fourth, Mikey B five, Eric Charlison six, Cruiser 24, Brant Batters with the top 10. What's up, Brant? Wrench Doozer at nine, and Leanne M at 10. But there you have our winner, Jet Oil Tom. Let's do a quick rundown. I'm interested as to who won between the two of us. Look at Remus, 13th. Whoa, I didn't even see myself in Whoa. there. That's the highest I've ever finished. No doubt. Uh, well, nice performance, dude. Uh, keep it going Sorry. down. We got David Zirk there in the top 20. Seeker, iHeart Gaming, who's uh, always in there. See, uh, oh, look at Chaps. What's up, Jay? 26. Nice one for RWTV, Retro Winnipeg. There's Joey Panks, 30th. Great to see Joey at the uh, game last week with the uh, WST crew for the Leafs game. Oh, the GFL, Gregory, 38th. Nicely done. Royal Sports in a 42nd. Don't forget, Super Bowl tees for the Niners and Chiefs are in stock right now. I will be going there after the show to make sure I get my hand on my homes before it's done. Todd Fertani. Todd, what's up tonight? Give me a holler. I think there might we might be up to something. Uh, what else we got here? There's Drew Music, Candace Jane, one of our favorites. Hi, Candace. Winnipeg Gabriel Vivaldi. <laughs> Bravo Bry at uh, 70th. What else do we have here? There's Paul Carr. What's up, Paul? Yep. Alana Sutton. Huss. Okay, 85th. I'll take a, I'll take a, a finish in a top 100. Here's B.A. Spency in the top 100. Nicely done. Okay, there's Bozeman. Bozeman's in at 97. I don't think we've seen Ross. Oh, there's Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Nice seeing you last night. 104. <laughs> Kevin Shovel Day off, uh, 114. Yeah. Kenny's water bottle. Monaghan was 90. I don't know if you said the, that. The Gitch. I missed Monaghan, actually. Gitch at 122. All right, we'll just keep this going down here. There's Rob Mahoney. What's up, Rod? Phyllis, Hootman, Doug Zapp, and Brax Bonanza. Connor Rabchak, third of three of WST today. Tough one for Connor, 155. Gary Reed was our last marble in, and then everybody else, but another 130, did not make the cut. Because they got thrown over the top rope uh, and ended Ross. up burning up. Poor Ross. Okay, big big win for Shorn. Always my favorite looking at their head-to-head matchup. Uh, and there's the rest of the marbles. Uh, well, what a show it was today, Remo. And uh, when you let me know this morning that a deal had been made, I knew that this would be a big one. But I'll be honest, I couldn't have imagined just how big it was. But uh, just goes to show how fired up Winnipeg Jet fans are right now. And how interested they are in the move made by the club today, acquiring Sean Monahan from the Montreal Canadiens for their first round pick. And that conditional that they would love to give Montreal a third rounder in 2027 if they do win the cup. Yeah, the only thing that could have knocked us talking about the NHL All-Star uh, Game Fantasy Draft. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Hellbuck going early to McDavid, how Kyle Connor would match up with the Hughes brothers. But we didn't even mention that. We didn't even mention... All the news, Todd McClellan fired by the LA Kings. Like, we talked about that a bit. And uh, most notably, this Four Nations Cup next February, 
for internet, you know, best on best international hockey returning for the Olympics the next two years. And in they're going to do two World Cups as well. Like a whole generation of hockey, of uh, hockey fans missed out on best on best. It's back, though. They blew it's it. Back. And it's back. And again, some of my best hockey memories, 02 uh, Olympics, you know, 96 World Cup, 04 World Cup. 2010 Olympics, 2014 Olympics was was pretty was pretty mad. Even if Canada did win, but they won in the most boring fashion. So uh, yeah, so, so it's great. But best on best, <laughs> McDavid, McKinnon together, Crosby, McDavid, Crosby. To think of the combinations, and hopefully uh, in time for 2030, Canada can have some more clarity uh, on the goaltending. Don't forget, uh, Skills Comp gets going at 5. You can get those bets in a cool bet before then if you uh, want to put a little sprinkle on it. I'm on McDavid. I think McDavid wins this thing, and I, I love him in the stick-handling co- uh, competition as well. Connor Hellebuck will be competing in the one-on-one. All the goalies will be there. Top goalie gets hundred grand. So good luck to uh, Helly in that one. And then tomorrow, Bones, KFC, Hellebuck, all representing the Winnipeg Jets in the all-star three-on-three tourney that will take place. But uh, again, congrats to the IC guys. Don't miss their show tomorrow, 9 a.m., 15 years of illegal curve. Should be a great one. And uh, I know we'll have lots to talk about. More reaction from the trade on Monday's show. We'll hear from Rick Bonus on it. And, uh, of course, the Jets from practice as they get ready to hit the road for a couple games before coming back for Monaghan's debut against the Pittsburgh Penguins next Saturday at Canada Life Centre. Big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day and all of you for making us a part of yours and in particular all the newbies that found WST for the first time. Great to have you with us. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit that thumbs up and uh, join us 1 p.m. Monday right here on WST. For Michael Remus and Andrew Patterson, have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday and get back to Jets hockey with the team hitting the road to begin the schedule again post-All-Star break. Thanks again, everyone. Great show. Big night and a big weekend coming up. I hope you have a great one. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.